Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're back. The Whitecaps are back. It feels that football is back. Forget all this World Cup nonsense. We're back with the proper meat and potatoes. The Whitecaps are back at training. We're, we're going to look a lot at the, the Whitecaps in the show. We're going to bring you a couple of interviews I did with draft pick Levante Johnson. New signing addition that was picked up in the re-entry draft, Karifa Yao. We're going to hear a little bit from head coach Vanny Sartini about being back at training some stuff that I noticed today, some rumours that's going around, and a lot more besides. Going to talk some general football chat as well. It's it's a great time to be chatting about football, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, uh, just kind of getting into the... There was a little bit of a break there. <laughs> Usually we have a bigger break, uh, but a little bit less of a break. But yeah, jumping right into it again this season. I think the way that the MLS had organised the off-season with the drafts and everything being quicker, it kind of it doesn't really feel that there has been a break. No, the, not much. It feels the playoffs finished and you're straight into the World Cup and now you're straight back into this. It it it, yeah. it feels a little weird. Yeah, different from previous years because usually by the time the, the MLS was done, it was just basically nothing until near the end of January, and now it's even a, a, you know three weeks earlier than what it normally is. And it was great being back at the, the Whitecaps train facility as well. I hadn't got out tons last year from various commitments. Obviously, I was doing a lot of stuff via Zoom as well. So it was nice to, to get out and see everyone in the pitch. So we'll get into all of that shortly. I want to chat about just some other general football stuff that has happened in the, the past week or so just to kick the show off. And last show, we paid our tributes to one of the footballing greats, Pele, passed away aged 82 that maybe wasn't a huge shock people knew he was ill and I, I think it, it just felt like it's just going to be a matter of time before he sadly passed away but this week a giant from world football Italian football Gianluca Viali passed away aged just 58 on January 6th and I think it just caught so many people by surprise because so many people just did not know 
that that he was ill. He'd, he'd suffered pancreatic cancer for a, around a year. And people of a certain age, like some folk won't really have seen Viali play or know much about him. People around my age will have kind of grown up watching him in the Premiership. And initially in the UK, one of the first foreign leagues that was broadcast on Channel 4 was Serie A. Mm -hmm. So on a Sunday, you got your Italian football. And I think Viali is one of those rare players that didn't have more clubs than Tiger Woods. When you look back at his, his kind of CV, he only ever played for four clubs making his debut in the 1980-81 season with Cremonese in Serie C1. Spent four seasons there, then eight with Sampdoria, four with Juventus, and finally three with Chelsea. Absolute legend of a player, Zach. My experience of him is similar to yours, Michael, in that I got to watch him play on Teletino or Rye or whatever. Or Teletino, I think, got the Rye feed or whatever. Uh, when I was growing up in Ontario, and so yeah, I watched him. I'd never watched him play for Sampdoria. I, I remember seeing pictures of him playing for Sampdoria, but yeah, uh, remember him fondly from his days playing for Juventus, and then also watched him, of course, uh, in his years at Chelsea. Yeah, 673 overall appearances in club football, 259 goals, two Serie A championships, four Coppa Italias, an FA Cup, a League Cup two European Cup Winners' Cup, a UEFA Cup, and the last player to lift the Champions League as captain of Juventus as well back in 1996. Mm. Kind of crazy, really, to think they've not won a Champions League since since 96 as well because they were always one of those giants of the game. And I, I was a bit surprised, though, only 59 appearances for Italy, getting 16 goals. I would have thought he had had a lot more than that. Maybe he yeah. had issues with the manager. That's why. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't everyone apparently. <laughs> yeah, back then, back in the days, like yeah. Italian. No, it but seems Italy... like Italian people have a very specific people they pick up, right? They were stacked no. back then, though. Yeah, exactly. Honest. I was going to say they had so many options at at forward back then that I think he didn't maybe always make it. Um, well, he was and in he was, he was less Italian ninety, played. right? Yeah, there's a lot less games played there. He uh, he played Italian ninety. I think Italy finished third that year. Yeah. He, yeah, they did. He wasn't at he wasn't at uh, USA '94 with the team. The thing, yeah, is, the thing yeah. about his like uh, like his uh, illness and everything, he was like like you said, diagnosed in November of 2018 or something initially, and they gave him a clear in April of you know 2020. But you know, if you people talk about cancer, you're not fully clear for five years. Like yeah. if you you have yeah. to pass like five years, and that's about when it came to right he, now. I I, I I don't remember when, why he wasn't there in 94, but you certainly, when you look at the 94 team, you feel like he should have been there ahead of someone like Daniele Massaro. I when know. I think, when I think back to that team, they could have used they could have used some more scoring because they relied on Baggio. But maybe he, re- maybe he retired from international no, soccer at one point? No, I, no? I don't think no, so. No, he was still kind of lighting it up, really. It was a, yeah. a bit of a surprise. So, I, so I'm just, I'm, maybe, I'm reading, I'm, I'm just reading Wikipedia right here. Um, so he made his last appearance uh, with in December of '92, and he had a strained relationship with the coach. Uh, oh, there you go. Oh, you Ario right. Sachi. Ario Sachi. Oh, yeah. See, and, Saki, which that's his, right. So it brought his international career to premature end. Yeah, then Saki. That's right. His Saki. club success in the '90s. Saki, mm. I think, brought him a Cerro because I think he had him at at Milan, I think, and he was like <laughs> so, one of his guys. So, yeah. so the, 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 there is apparently in Wikipedia, and this is a rumor. 
It's rumored that Viali played a prank on Sachi, which was the reason for his dropping from the national team. So yeah, Saki, we don't Saki know. A, we don't know like, if it was a uh, uh, you know a, a mean spirited prank or you know a fun prank. Uh, Who knows? Uh, but uh, well, yeah. Arrigo Saki was a very serious dude. Like not the kind of guy oh, I would imagine that enjoyed a, a pranks. You know, even that were supposed to be funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the horse and horse's head in the bed. It's it's run, it's run its course, <laughs> but I think that that time. But then Viali went on. To be a manager, only managed two teams, managed Chelsea and then Watford in the English Premiership, won an FA Cup, a League Cup, Charity Shield, Cup Winners' Cup and a Super Cup, all in his three years that he had at Chelsea. And he took over them just age 33 as well. Then got sacked by Chelsea, went to Watford, but after that, just never got back into management, was doing punditry, commentary over the sky in Italy. And when I saw... That was like trending, and I was like, "What? It can't be Gianluca Vialli." And then I clicked into it. I was like, "Wow!" I was just stunned by it. It's yeah. Just, just seems also oh young, but obviously with the Whitecaps having an Italian coach, had to ask Vanni at training today just for his thoughts on the legend Gianluca Vialli. Here's what he had to tell me. We are going to talk about this on our show, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Obviously, Italian soccer lost a legend in Gianluca Vialli this yeah. year. What, what's your memories of, of him as a player from watching Well, him? I actually have a lot of memories, because two memories. Like As a player, he was a fantastic player. Striker, like very acrobatic. He was also a very funny person outgoing like you know what one of those players that when you when you when I was a kid was one of the first players that was kind of even very at ease in front of the camera and you can it could be so I, I have a lot of memories but actually one thing that I remember very well is like uh, he was doing the pro license the coaching course in in in, uh, in Italy and I just started I was still playing and I just started working for the federation I was doing like uh, uh, um, research uh, for the for the department uh, uh, it's called study center for the for the federation the Italian federation and uh, uh, they we actually worked a little bit together on his uh, on his final thesis I I helped him doing some graphics and uh, and it was mm, like it, it's it's a very it's a cherished memory because you know I was no one and he was a player that played a lot of years in uh, in the national team and he was coaching Chelsea at the, the time maybe uh, or Watford I think uh, and uh, and uh, he had time for me to speak soccer and speak everything for, and talk soccer for for hours so yeah it's really it, it, even if it's something that happened almost 20 years ago mm-hmm. it's a cherished memory that I have so Vanni there just chatting about Gianluca Vialli and having the chance to to work with him in a coaching course when they're doing the licenses as well and that's just a, a memory that sticks in his head he's just starting off Viali spent the time talking to him sharing ideas with him just a, a great story to have and no you met him as well once yeah. Zach yeah I, I mean when you talk about Viali the coach the I think his biggest contribution to his side was that uh Euro 2020 slash Euro 2021 mm-hmm. Italian victory where he was assistant coach with his versus former teammate Roberto Mancini uh, they were strike partners together, I think, at Sampdoria. Um, and, like, the players, uh, when you talk to them about it, uh, my understanding is that they, like, the the, the contribution of Viali in, in partnership with Mancini were, like, incredibly inspirational. And there's, a I think, a Netflix 
I think a Netflix documentary that you can watch all about it, which Kirk and I have watched before and really, ah. really, really enjoyed. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, Mike, you, no, you, I haven't. You should check it out. Oh, okay, maybe do that as a TVOD. Yeah, it's 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 I I can't remember if it's episodic or if it's an, a one all. I think it might be episodic, but um, but yeah, no, I very very briefly met him once. Uh, it <laughs> it was uh, May nineteenth, twenty twelve. Uh, and it was the fact you remember that obviously it's got some other meaning, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was a Saturday. Um, <laughs> no, it I was uh, it was the day of the the Byron Chelsea Champions League final, ah. and so I uh, uh, after the game, I was fairly distraught, and it was my that was my first and so far. Oh, you didn't hit him with a flag, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it does tie into Tifo actually a little bit. So I, I, uh, it was, that was my first visit to the Alliance Arena, and still so far my only visit to the Alliance Arena. And uh, I was very uh, um, disappointed in the result. And I was kind of just like, I just, well, first I just sat in my seat for a long time, and then as people left or whatever, I went down in the section. I was in the Sud Curva, and I went down in the section. And I picked up a couple of pieces of uh, there was a. A brilliant TIFO display that 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 day, and so I picked up pieces from it, put it in my bag, and then I just went and I sat in the front row, and I just like I, I'm just gonna stay here until they, until they ask me to leave. <laughs> and so as I was sitting there, like I didn't even see them coming; they just were coming around the field, I guess from wherever they were. I don't know what, but they were. It was Gianluca Vialli and Fabio uh, Fabio Capello. And they just walked, they just, they were like, because in the in, in German stadiums, you're really close to the pitch, right? Like in the LA, you're really close to the pitch. And so they were just walking the, the little gap between the net and the, and the, and the, the section, the, the end, the curva. And uh, I looked up and there they were. So I just said like hello to them and shook their hands or whatever and said words of a, appreciation for their contribution to football or something. And uh, it was very, very brief, but I was just like, yeah, it was kind of a nice way to, and then. Shortly thereafter, a steward came to me and said, uh, "Sir, you realize there's no one else in the stadium, and you need to leave." <laughs> and by that point, at that point, I think it was like one thirty in the morning or something. Oh, it was, wow. a, it, was a, it was a late, it was a late start, and it was like it was a long, you know, extra time penalties and long, long, long. And I stayed there for a long time after. And anyways, yeah, there was the one time I got to meet him, but yeah, he was a a, a great. Uh, a great personality in Italian and world football, and it's um, it's sad that he's gone. Yeah, I mean, by so, all accounts, you, everyone's just said what a wonderful guy he was. So, do you guys want to know what prank he pulled? I oh, found, have you I, found I, it? I, sure. I, so, th so this might not be official because uh, it's not, it's kind of on a uh, kind of a, one of those uh, things that kind of get stories and put them together. I can't remember, like a library, not a library, but like an online library kind of thing. So I don't know. I can't cite where this article came from. Uh, so basically, it's mentioned that he put Parmesan cheese into the handkerchief of the manager and then he, obviously the boss put it into his top pocket of his coat and i'm not a parmesan expert but apparently it ruined his suit yeah, and that's yeah. the reason why he was basically oils or whatever yes. probably like some oil would come out of it and yeah yeah it's, it's probably not the same parmesan that we think about you know shaking no. on is probably the, the actual cheese cheese and stuff yeah it would have right? probably would have been like the they shave it right so it would have been like yes big yeah. flakes yeah exactly so yeah, that so I just thought I'd let you guys know because I got interested when once I found out that he pulled a prank on the coach, I wanted to know what the prank was. I I was just checking just now as well because I I remember watching Scotland play Italy 
um, at Ibrox and I think a World Cup qualifier. It was on my birthday in 92. So 92, yeah, it would have been. And I was just looking at the lineup to see if he had played in that, but he didn't. So that's disappointing. Roberto Baggio played in that game, though. So got to see him, Franco Baresi, Paolo Maldini. I really should make a note of some of these players that I've seen play yeah. over the years because I'm looking at these names going, I don't even remember having seen those players, but there we go. But RIP Gianluca Vialli. I, I hope that every week or every couple of weeks we're not having to say goodbye to a legend of the game because that would be a horrible start to 2023. We're two for two just now. But as with last week, our wavelength selection for this show is going to be a, a tribute to Gianluca Vialli as well. And that's coming up in part four. So, last year I'd mentioned how in 2021 we had Steve's gift that kept giving where we were opening up all our cards at the, the start off of shows and stuff like that, which I, I loved. And then last year I'd hoped to regularly do kind of like our TVOD section where we're going to just review TV things and then life got in the way and we never got around to doing it. So we will be continuing that this year at the start of things. But also just throwing in some general football chat and that's how I want to start off this show before we get to the Whitecaps I'm curious whether either of you because I I know Zach's not a big fan of football in the UK but did either of you watch any of the FA Cup games this weekend? No I have not I haven't even seen the results I I in fact saw that uh, I was flipping around. I saw Manchester City playing Chelsea. I think it was on Sportsnet, so it was on free TV. Yes. And I switched the channel. Oh, you didn't miss much, to be fair. Chelsea were absolutely terrible. I I don't know about Graham Potter getting them out of the mess. I don't even think Harry Potter could get Chelsea out of the mess that they seem to get at the moment. Did you hear Warner Brothers is planning on, like, rebooting that whole thing? No, Harry Potter. Yeah, apparently. Oof. Well, because the, Axel because... kept telling us he wasn't Harry Potter, and I feel he maybe was just protesting too much at that. Maybe he's going to get cast in it. He wasn't at training today. He's apparently over in Europe, maybe doing a test for Harry Potter. He could be no, double. Appar- apparently, they're not happy with the amount of money that the the uh, the follow up, the Fantastic Beasts oh. two follow ups. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like the first one of them was great. The third one was good. The second one I didn't like at all. The second one I remember, like, I haven't seen the third one, but I remember watching the second one, and it was like, I was just like, what is going on here? Like, it did, like I felt yeah. like there was too many gaps. Into, yeah, like, the plot like, kind of disappeared, and they were, they were just focusing I was, on the action. I was I was done after the first one. I never watched the second one or third one. My kids, mostly because my kids weren't just interested in watching either one, so I was going, why do I need to watch it then? Well, I'm a big kid, obviously, so I, I do enjoy that. But anyway, back to the FA Cup, which uh, <laughs> I was just wanting to, to see if you guys had watched it because it was fantastic and what I liked about it in a number of ways but I liked you mentioned Sportsnet there Steve they didn't bury the games on Sportsnet World there was a couple on there but they showed quite a few games on the main Sportsnet channels which is fantastic and the last few years the FA Cup's kind of lost its shine a little bit for me because the shocks haven't been there a lot of the Premier teams, even the Championship teams, play weakened sides because they can't be bothered with the tournament and it's just so much disrespect. And I always hold up the FA Cup that this is what I, I would love the Canadian Championship to be somewhere down the road, to have all these teams that you can start off in preliminary round six 
and just work your way up and you'd have like VMSL teams battling it out and stuff. Obviously it's different here in Canada because of the weather and when teams play and all that kind of stuff. But there were some fantastic shocks. I, I thought everyone over here now was a Wrexham fan. So is that not the case? Well, yeah. I, I knew about that result. I, while I didn't follow it, I, I heard about that through social media that the Wrexham had I, beaten Coventry. I have not heard any of the results whatsoever. Oh, well. I, I, so Wrexham, Wrexham won? Wrexham. Re- Non-league Wrexham beat Steve's Coventry. My Coventry. I thought you had a soft spot for Coventry. I, I did, actually. Because uh, I had my uh, top for Coventry. I, I, no, no, I did. You're right. I, but uh, I haven't followed them in years. Wait, Wrexham are still 90s. non-league? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Despite yeah. all the money that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have put this, in, they still haven't got se- promoted. This is only season two, isn't it? Uh, might be two and a bit, two and a half. I thought it's like they don't, one and a half. Hmm. They're, they're actors. They don't oil, own any oil or anything no. like that, oil companies or anything where they can. No, but at that level, at that level, you, it doesn't require yeah. that much on the playing side. It's yeah. more the bigger things that are going to cost them money are that fixing that stand, which they, maybe they've already done. And yeah, well, I, I think that's where they were trying to build up the infrastructure before yeah. they start. Yeah. Like, it was, it's like disappointing to me because Wrexham's racecourse ground is like one of those fantastic old fashioned UK football grounds with yeah. a terracing that isn't safe anymore. Yeah. But they still had that terracing behind the goals, and I just always wished I'd gone and, and seen a game there. I mean, in, in you the haven't watched day. the show, right, Mike? I haven't yet. You need um, to watch the show because I feel like every time they show the stadium, that that, that stand was like covered like, like a Chivas USA match. Yes. <laughs> I, I've got mixed emotions about Wrexham. This is, this is why I'm, I'm kind of mentioning it, because obviously Ryan Reynolds has put his money in, and lots of people on Twitter tag Ryan Reynolds all the time, saying, do you want to buy the Whitecaps? Do you want to buy the Whitecaps? And obviously he's looking to possibly be part owner of Ottawa Senators and stuff as well. But I have got mixed emotions about Wrexham. I was reading an article that viewers in the US are loving it, and ESPN, they've shown Wrexham's games in the first three rounds and they've got huge viewing oh, yeah. numbers for it yeah. because of this Hollywood connection. But basically, they they went 2-0 up, got pulled back to 2-1 and then scored right in the stroke of half time to make it 3-1. Then they went ahead 4-1 with a penalty whilst Coventry got a guy sent off as well. So 10-man Coventry then brought it back to 4-3 and almost snatched a, a draw and a replay out of it. But as the match was going on, it kind of just became clear to me. I was actually, initially I was cheering on Wrexham as the non-league and the underdog, but then I started cheering on Coventry for the comeback. And I, I don't I don't like this thing that, Americans or big money people, whether it's Saudis or whatever, I, I think this would set a bad example. The film stars or American businessmen or whatever can think, oh, we can just go and buy a non-league team, put tons of money in it and do our own football manager or pretend that we're having a Ted Lasso style show and just move them up through the ranks. It It doesn't sit overly comfortably with me. See, the thing is with me about this all the time, that when, ever since I heard about it, to me, it always felt like that the buying of Wrexham and fixing it up was secondary, and mm. it was actually producing a show yes. about it, like having some kind of reality show about yes. it. That's what it felt like to me. 
uh, like, and, and it's nothing that they said. It's just, it's just the probably maybe the cynical side when it comes to somebody doing something like this um, of me that I'm always like questioning it. Do they have actual proper intentions or are they doing it to have something produced? And if it fails, that's even better production. Like it's actually, oh, it's, yeah. people are going to watch well, it more. It, even then, it, right? Oh no, it, it does feel like it was the, the purchase was like they wouldn't have done it if, if they couldn't have done it the way they wanted to with the and the show, with, yeah. With the show, yeah. the show, but they're not idiots. The show, uh, even Michael just said, the, the show has has uh, yeah, is, has and is bearing the fruit that they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. No, I know, and, I know it, it's kind of almost like helping each other out, like the show. Oh, yeah, Wrexham's making people. lots of money from kit sales and stuff as well, and... exactly. So it, it's it's like. I'm I'm just thinking about the initial intentions. What were they? And and is it is it obviously it's benefiting both sides? But do they actually care about the club, or are they more interested in the show? That's my question. Like for me, um, based on everything you hear about Ryan Reynolds, he is more of a person that cares. But I like the other guy. I'm not. Sure, I don't know who he is. So I I, I don't watch. Yeah. Um, it's a sunny day in Philadelphia that much or whatever. Whatever that show is, I can't remember. But yeah, I, it's just a, it's just a questioning. And you're right. The way. Like obviously the people that you know the Saudi people they're always every anybody who is from Saudi Arabia they're almost looking for a game or something to play with it's a toy to them mm-hmm. so uh, that that that's you always question that but that's almost every owner out there whether they're English Saudi American whatever you want to say everything's always just a toy it's just that's what I that's what the cynical side of we have like it's always a tax write off for them essentially like if they don't make money on it they can tax write it off for in save taxes on somewhere else. I, I can't remember if it was a Wrexham manager or one of their players had really pissed off Coventry because they were like, oh, we're disappointed we've only got Coventry. We wanted a bigger team because oh. they got a championship team. So now in the next round, they've got a home game against Sheffield United. So not exactly big box office draw for them. Yeah. Well, but they're a very historic team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a great game. There's a potential shock there. And to me, that that is the exciting part of it. But they want to go toe-to-toe against all these big big teams we were talking about is it, is about it, Luke, it isn't Luke Wildman a fan of Sheffield you know, yeah, or is yeah he I think he is Sheffield? actually yeah yeah so the, clearly Ryan Reynolds need to sneak into TSN studios and just like uh, uh, do something to Luke Wildman at this point well know? I mean I, I think the only way that we can get answers from Ryan Reynolds is for him to come on our show in March for our, our 10th anniversary specials and speak to us. So if you're listening, Ryan, which obviously is a Vancouver boy, why would you not be? Then, yeah, come, come on the show in March. Your people can talk to, to my people. That's me. And yeah. we will we'll see what we can get sorted out. Yeah, he, he was on Letterman, so why not be on with us? Exactly. What's the difference? Yeah. yeah. But we were talking about it on these five shows. Like if someone came to your club and wanted to put that money in, you'd grab it with both hands at the same time. Sure. But when you're looking from outside of that, it's like, I'd kind of like them to do well because I always had a bit of a soft spot for Wrexham and all the Welsh teams that played in England, just as a a big middle finger to all the English clubs. But yeah, it, I just think it sets a bad example and you could see more and more of this. Because interestingly, a lot of the teams that have dropped out from League Two in the last couple of seasons are now facing relegation from the National League and they're down the bottom of that as well. So they're dropping like, like a stone. But anyway... Now, if, if it was like a Catherine Zeta-Jones or something coming back to buy the team and running it, because she's Welsh, yeah. would, you be, would it be different for you then, instead of American doing it? Or, or Actually, if they had a local connection, yeah. Like if Goldie, Luke and Shane bought Newport, 
I don't think they've got that kind of money from their record sales, oh. to be honest. <laughs> well, check their YouTube shit with these, maybe. Well, I, I just got my my latest football top, uh, Newport Corinthians. It's a Welsh non-league side because Goldie, Luke and Chain are their sponsor. So I, I got that strip and it's got a lovely dragon design through it as well. So it was for their Welsh Cup games. So just thought I'd mention that as well. Anyway, let's move out of Wales because the Whitecaps, of course, went to Wales for pre-season in 2017. How's this for a segue? <laughs> this year, they're going back to Europe, but not to Wales. Otherwise, I'd be over there as well. They're off to sunny Spain, Viva, España. But yeah, they were back at training here in Vancouver. They returned on Friday, did all their medicals, were on the pitch for Saturday, Sunday, did their beep tests yesterday, which... I, I was saying to Lavonte Johnson, I was like, oh, you did the beep test when we weren't here. We love to see you suffer. <laughs> That's my favourite part of pre-season is seeing the players go through that hell. Uh, the two fittest guys this year, though, Sebastian Berhalter, probably just running to get away from all this stuff about his parents. <laughs> and Ali Ahmed as well. Wait, no Rusty anymore? Rusty's still recovering from his injuries. Oh, so. right. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's giving other people a chance. Yeah. He'll come back and go, oh, you thought that was good. Wait till you see what I can do. <laughs> I think he's still running from 2021, actually. It might be how he, he had got his injury. <laughs> he can beep with the best of them. Whitecaps are back. They're back at training. They head off to Spain. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. They head off to Spain on Tuesday the 10th, where they'll stay until January 22nd. Then back to Vancouver for a couple of days um, where they'll get a bit of rest and then they'll be back on the pitch from the 25th to the 28th, off on the 29th, then heading off to Palm Springs on the 30th, back around the 19th, and then the, the new season gets underway at home to RSL on February 25th. Has, so has, there, been a, has there been a more exciting preseason? Like, like a schedule, like in camp and like trips and like this is... This is the best think, they've ever done, I think it no? probably is. I mean, obviously, nothing will beat 2012 in the Mickey Mouse Cup. That was the highlight of my whole time supporting the Whitecaps in MLS. I mean, that was, honestly, that was, like, special. But um, it was, this This is this seems like the the most invested they've been in a preseason pre ever, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, the only thing that I'm uh, wondering is, like, you mentioned the time they're spending in Spain. Right now, they only have one scheduled game. Yeah, I'm sure there's got to be others. I mean, they must be playing against some local Spanish sides because initially well, that's what I told it was it was going to be. Isn't there a certain Whitecaps owner that has partial ownership in a yep. Spanish side? Or oh, of course. No, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it why wouldn't they be playing them for the Nash Cup? <laughs> maybe they will maybe they'll no. hear this suggestion and sort it out they, no you gotta figure that they're gonna be playing some like scrimmages against whatever reserve sides or well small. I mean Marbella's got a team so yeah, and I, exactly. I've, been, I've been to the stadium in Marbella I went down I, we were staying for a week in Fuengarola went down to Marbella for the day wandered around the stadium was open because they were doing cutting the grass I went in took photos all my photos from that trip didn't turn out because it was the old-fashioned spool in the camera and mm. my camera accidentally opened and all my photos got oh. destroyed. So I don't have any photos from that stadium, which really pisses me off because I also went to Gibraltar that trip and I never got a, 
any photos from that. I've been telling all the guys to go to Gibraltar because I just want them to take photos so I can like relive <laughs> the experience. And we'll, we'll hear Karifa Yao later in the show as well. I said to him, you're looking forward to going to Spain? It's like, oh, it's going to be a great vacation. It's like, no, I, I don't mean vacation. I mean, it's going to be a hard training. He <laughs> 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 caught himself. <laughs> but it is going to be a, a, a nice way to ease into it. And there will be, be put through the paces. From watching training today, though, there were some fierce challenges flying in. So the guys, they look fit, they look sharp, they look hungry. And we haven't seen that every year when the guys have come back, Steve. No. Um, nothing that, you know, you see where, like, um, I, or I'll refer back, it's the annual uh, mentioning of the bonjour tackle on uh, uh-huh. Long Tan, yes. where Long Tan oh, totally yeah. retaliated afterwards. But, yeah, that, like, you'd... You rarely see that because everybody's trying to be careful. Nobody wants to get injured going because this is the time when you want to prove yourself. Yeah. So, the, but some people need to do that, those tackles to prove themselves. So that's where you got to be careful about who's coming in on you. So while it is, you are being careful, you still have to pay attention to your surroundings, even in training. So right now there's six preseason games lined up and there is one of them in Marbella. And I, I do wonder whether, whether Axel had a hand in this. I think so. B- because we know... Mark DeSantis posted a hamburger, and now it's like Axel's talked about getting a hamburger, and now they're playing would be, hamburger. Yeah, you know what? If Axel did this scheduling due to that meme, I have so much respect for him. Like, I wanted like, to ask I, him that today, but I, he wasn't at training because he's still in Europe. My, ele- my elevation of respect for him goes up. I want him to be the manager for life at that point. <laughs> off the top of my head. If he scheduled this game against them because of that meme. I don't that, think that, he did. I don't think he did, I, but that would be funny. That would be awesome if he did that. Maybe maybe this is a hint, because we'll, we'll talk in the next part about a potential New Jersey sponsor. Maybe it's going to be McDonald's or Burger King. and It's like, <laughs> we'll just get in early by playing hamburgers. No, no, no. Yeah. But, I mean, what what can you tell us about Hamburger SV? Back in my day, they were just called Hamburg. Yeah, Hamburg. Kevin Keegan, that's all I know about Hamburg. Is it it pronounced Hamburger, actually? Do they pronounce it Hamburger themselves? Uh, No, no, none of the people I talk to call them Hamburger. They probably call them Mietenbunnen or something. They call it the Hamburg Sport Club, Hamburg. Um uh yeah i mean obviously they were uh, until they got relegated a few years ago they were the only club that had been in the bundesliga for all the years up until that point they were called and their nickname is the dinosaurs partly i think because of that um but they uh oh you know what i might have had like a trivia question i i one of the previous games over the last few years which yeah probably the state of bundesliga you did i remember that and 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 they used to have um (laughs) They used to, they used to have a clock in their stadium running with like all the years and the time that they've been oh. in the Bundesliga. Because <laughs> I remember the. Do they have one now for how long they've not been in the no, Bundesliga? No, but I think I think I think Bayern <laughs> when there was like um, it wasn't confirmed, but it was imminent that they were going to get relegated. Actually, they had a couple of seasons where they were really low. I remember I think it was Bayern supporters. It might have been other people as well. They they did I think an away tifo at. at at the uh, whatever the stadium is called now, it used to be called the AOL Arena when I went there during the World Cup. But um, uh, it uh, they did a TIFO of the clock and it just said zero zero zero. <laughs> um, but that no, they're is like, very clever. They're a traditional club. Um, yeah, they won you know major trophies, uh, including the Bundesliga. Beckenbauer even spent a few years there. 
um and won the league i think uh which is sad um but um uh no yeah they're and obviously their arch rivals are the they're like the rich team in in hamburg and like the the not so rich team which is more has more of a cult following is of course the uh the beloved fc st pauli yes um I've got a couple of St. Pauli songs that I've never played in Wavelength, so I'll play one of them out for the the week that we end up playing Hamburger. Yeah, it, um, the the um, they uh, since they've dropped down, they've actually so they've had the Derby in the second division, which has been great for them. But they uh, Hamburg's really struggled to get back into the the Bundesliga, and it's been really hard for for them and their fans because obviously once you spend a few years down, it kind of you know shapes their team your team. And even though they've traditionally they've always or traditionally in the in these few years they've always been on the cusp. And I think they've I can't remember if they, I think they might have even lost the playoff once, but they definitely like missed out on the playoffs like just barely like on the last day or second last match day or whatever and. Do, do um, they have like what they have in England for the teams that go down to the championship? Do they have like parachute payments? I, I'm not. You know what? I, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if that they do. I don't know how that all works. I don't like uh, it. So I would hope no. that German being the proper kind of football thing with a lot of stuff wouldn't maybe have something like that. Well, maybe in, maybe one season they might do something. But yeah, in general, and there must be something because I know in general it's kind of like yeah, it's the same thing. In, it's similar to England where, like, yeah, if you don't come back up the first year, it's, it becomes exponentially harder, mm. is, my, is my understanding. They're second, but, they're second right now in the in the. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Right. They're, they're doing, yeah, they're doing, like, they're, like I said, they're always. I'll be a good there, test for the, the Caps then. And, and the oh, thing yeah. is, maybe, uh, Zach, you know why this is, but I noticed that when I was looking up their schedule, they have, uh, they had a game on the 13th, which was a Friday, but it's canceled. It was playing against Freiburg. Uh, was there a reason is that's canceled or because ultimately they're playing on the seventh, then they don't have any game until the Whitecaps, and then they play the 29th. So you expect it to be probably a full Freib- unit then at that point. Did you say Freiburg on the third on the thirteenth? It was supposed to be it's scheduled. Maybe it was a friendly because aren't they in their winter break that, just now? That would be a friendly because uh, okay, that would be a friendly because yeah, it is canceled right now. Freiburg's I think in the top flight. Oh wait, yeah, be there but Friday. Unless it's German. The 13th, Cup. which is this. Yeah, Freiburg also oh, had a game yeah, okay. canceled this past Saturday. So maybe it's on Freiburg's side that it was canceled. No, oh. it, 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 it's a friendly. Yeah, the league's not back yet. The, the leagues are not back okay. yet. Okay. Yeah, because okay. for Friday, Friday, Bayern has a friendly. but And I was confusing it for a second. Ah, they're playing, they're okay. playing, uh, they're playing uh, Dead Bull OG in Salzburg. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, no, it, it's the, certainly going to be a good test for the Whitecaps. And well, then... When they get back, they've got five games in Palm Springs as well against DC, Charlotte, TFC, St. Louis, and, and Minnesota. So it's a way, way better. Uh, never mind being more exciting, Steve. It's like a way more testing preseason, which they need because they're going to have to hit the ground running big time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's no, there's everybody's either in their league or in a higher league uh, so far that they're playing. So it's a good, it's definitely a good test. Yeah. Six games, I would say. Should be good enough to get you going. I just wish there was a second game in Spain. Um, that th- way you're, I'm you're, sure you're... there's going to be. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll get I, East I'm, Fife I'm... to fly down. <laughs> I'm talking about like, like well, I'm not no disparaging East Fife. I'm talking like a proper game, not just a scrimmage or anything like that. Like a proper We'd give them a proper game. game. We'd show them some tough tackles. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like Ryan Gold has broken his leg in the friendly against East Fife. Oh my. Yeah. Let's hope not. Fingers crossed. Um, 
Ryan's actually. This is what this is so stupid. Like there's there's thirty four players in the camp. So Ryan was back in Scotland for Christmas. Yeah. Then the Whitecaps were hoping he could just join them in Spain, but MLS have made all the clubs have their players come back to their their markets. So he's had to come back mm. to do all the testing. Then he's not even going back to Spain right away because he's going down to San Jose tonight to do the media stuff that they've got on Tuesday. Then he has to fly back to Spain. And it's like oh. Shop had to fly back from Austria. And yeah. it's like so stupid. Just let these guys just join them up in Spain. I think the Whitecaps are the only team that is going to Europe for pre-season. But surely you can make that exception and not have folk flying back and forward. Yeah, yeah I, I don't see a reason why. Yeah, I don't see why reason reason why MLS. If they need to do some kind of testing or whatever, they should have been able to do testing there. I don't yeah. yeah, I mean it's good. It's good for them to have standards. Like, don't get me wrong, but yeah, this it seems like you could maybe make exceptions to to the to the rule. I, I, if you're signed, that is it, because like Jean Claude Gando is still in Paris. He's going to join them up uh, down Spain because he officially doesn't have an MLS deal yet. But 34 players in camp, and that includes the newly confirmed centre-back, Matthias Laborda. We'll have a little bit more of him in the next part. Draft picks, JC Gando is going to join them in Spain, and Levante Johnson is already here. We'll hear from him later in the show. Two academy call-ups, goalkeeper Cohen Park, that I don't know anything about, to be honest, and defender Mihail Gerasimenkov who I'm really hoping doesn't play for their under-19s in the League One BC this coming season, because that's going to give me a nightmare in commentary. I'll just call him MG or or something as we, we do the commentary in that. Um, three WFC2 players as well. One's listed as a draft pick, because it's uh, Giovanni Aguilar, who was taken in the draft last year, but mm-hmm. he was playing with WFC2. So for me, it's him. Jay Herdman as well, and Joe Hansen, the UConn player as well who's a, a big forward and uh, the Caps feel very high on him as well an interesting one, that this guy's been training with WFC too, there's just one invitee so far and it's three time CPL champion Daniel Crutzen he missed 10 months of last season with Forge after tearing his ACL after just two games, he's a 26 year old defender, Dutch and that could be an interesting one to keep an eye on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you think they'll have hopefully uh, a few more trialists or, or whatever come through, but that one is uh, is exciting. Uh, obviously, it'll be interesting to see if he, he has any you know long long lasting effects from his recovery and stuff. But. Yeah, but I mean, you're bringing that guy. It's just won three championships. It's like fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, he is left footed too, right? If, if, or am I? You always ask me this. I might have no idea. That I don't know. Actually, I, I can't remember. But let's play a little bit of audio from Vanny Sartini. I'll just play a, some select answers from him from training on Monday. Just looking ahead to the season to come, the the preseason, and a few other things as well. Here's the gaffer. Bit of a different group that you have this season. Yeah. Um, there's obviously some notable guys who've who've left this club. What is it like for you to be integrating new faces and, and working with this version of this team? Yeah, uh, it's true. Like uh, we we made some low changes, I would say. 
Uh, I think like it's like seven, eight guys that were with us last year that uh, they're not this season with us. That went in two directions. Uh, uh, we didn't want uh, a, a very big roster, like uh, 30 players. We want to have like 23, 24 players and uh, be very focused with them. So uh, that that was one of the reasons. And, uh, and so for this reason also we're integrating the new guys uh, I would say uh, in a way that uh, we're going to look for the specific player in the specific position. We got Matias now arrived. We, we got Karifa that we signed with the, uh, with the re-entry draft. So uh, it's uh, easy not to have also 15 new faces in. Like, okay, we, we left some of and it's, uh, uh, we, we can focus to some specific individuals to, uh, let's say, make him at ease as, as soon as we can. More moves to come? Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, not... Uh, I don't think that we're going to sign another five or six players, but maybe one or two, yes. Uh, you've got a long training camp with lots of competition coming up. What does that do for your group heading into the regular season? I think that uh, we we had an, an honest conversation at the end. I told you guys a lot of times, I think our... Um, Achilles Hill last year was the the start of the season. So, and the start of the season include the preseason. The preseason are is very important for the start of the season. So, today in the first meeting, I told the guys that we need to go 100% from the first day because uh, uh, not only MLS. After two weeks in the season, we have the, the first game of Champions League. So, uh, big games will arrive immediately, and we need to be ready to go. And uh, so. It, I'm, I'm happy that we're going to have good competition in Spain and good competition after, after Spain in Palm Springs, so we'll be ready for that. We talked about that smaller roster before. Fighting now, though, in four competitions, can you afford to have that smaller roster? Yeah, because we have the, the second team. So we have uh, five guys from the WFC2 that are going to come with us uh, in, uh, in camp in Spain. Uh, we want to give them opportunity when they deserve to have opportunity in the first team. I'm very happy that uh, we have Simon and Ali that uh, signed from the, the second team to the first team this season and uh, hopefully uh, someone more will, uh, will join us at the end of this season or maybe during this season. So that's, that's I think, the, the entire idea of having a good second team uh, that can support when, when we're going to have some problem in terms of injuries or something. The it last is. couple of seasons with the Champions League, the teams that have been in it in MLS have kind of got off to pretty poor starts. How can you make sure that that doesn't happen? Uh, it's going to be... I don't know. Yeah, We need to be ready to, I would say, being as consistent as we can. And uh, that's the reason why I also want this roster of 20, 22 players, not 30 players, because I want 22 players that can be starters. And uh, so if we, let's say, consume 11 players in the first three months and then we're going to uh, bounce uh, down uh, like, uh, uh, like Seattle did last year, for example, in fantastic Champions League, and then they had a very bad moment and they didn't make the playoff, probably because the effort was too much and they didn't have too many players to to play. Even if they have a roster of 30 players, they always use the same, the same 14, 15 players. So we'll not use the same 13, 14 players every time. We'll try to use 
18, 19, 20 players. And uh, that also, I hope, will help to be consistent during the season because we'll have everyone engaged and, uh, I would say, willing to fight for a spot. So we won't have players that are like so behind than the other players. Hopefully, yeah. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm, ju- I'm describing yeah. the, the perfect scenario. <laughs> Matthias Laborda looks very mobile yeah. out there. It, it, uh, is that what you're looking for in a new centre-back? Yeah, uh, well, yes. I don't think that uh, in the modern soccer you can afford uh, to not to be at least adequately fast and mobile. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, good. he's a good player. He's, uh, he's a guy that can uh, uh, play very well defensively. He's, he's going to help also in the in the build-up, and uh, he's bringing also winning habits. I would say he won the league last year in in, in Uruguay. So, uh, of course, we need to help him uh, adapt to the new situation here with the league because we know that the league uh, is a good test for everyone who comes outside from outside. But uh, I think he's going to help us. Yeah. You said on Friday you weren't sure what primary uh, formation team was going to use this year. Yep. Uh, what's going to help you decide that? How are you going to go through that process to determine that? Uh, the the back the defenders play the defenders. So uh, they uh, the idea is to try to be a little more offensive than last year. Uh, I think that. Uh, when things started to go well uh, and we did a good second part of the season, I think defensively we were solid and uh, it was hard to break us down, but we didn't have too many solutions offensively. So the idea is to involve more players in the, in, in, in the offensive uh, half, like in the set offense. And uh, we need to understand uh, if you're able to do it uh, with only two centre backs or with three centre backs, so that's that's the that's the main that's the main question. I would say, Fanny, it's been a few years since you guys went overseas. Why did you guys choose uh, Spain? Is it like is it because of the international competition you guys gonna have? Like, yeah, uh, mainly that reason. Uh, we didn't want to do two trips uh, like in North America because if not, you play always the same team. And uh, you're gonna play those team in in the league, and uh, uh, we wanted to have uh, uh, like something new, like a shock. The second thing is that uh, we want to play uh, uh, European teams uh, in the sense of uh, we know that uh, the Hamburg, for example, that we play, they are in the middle of the season. They had the break because of the mid-season, but they're gonna play league games a week after, so they're gonna be very uh, ready to play. And that also is like an incentive for the player to arrive ready here and to be even more 100% from day from day one. And also the the place where we go in in Marbella is is really beautiful, uh, weather wise and, and football wise. So, yeah, that's the thing. What's your goalkeeping situation in your mind? Uh, at the moment, we have three guys: uh, Thomas, Isaac, and Max. Uh, the situation is open in the sense that at the moment Thomas is the number one for sure, and uh, and the the situation is open in the sense that uh, whatever the market is gonna bring to us, then we'll uh, we will decide. Uh, I'm not uh, like uh, uh, like uh, in, in in a way that we must sign a goalkeeper, but it depends if the if the if the if the occasion comes up, why not?
Do you I think do. Thomas can take on the role as a number one for the full season with all the competitions that you have? Or would you like to see a veteran goalkeeper come in to push him and help bring that competition with him? It's not about veteran. It's about uh, quality, let's say. So, uh, as any other position, uh, uh, we are looking. So, uh, of course, uh, we always look in, inside first and outside. And uh, so, in order, if someone will arrive, it will be uh, a high quality looking. He's the gaffer. You can try it up with him. He's the gaffer. Even when he's on a limb. He's the gaffer. When his back's against the wall, has the answer to it all. He's the gaffer. The gaffer, Vanny Sartini, there. We'll unpack a little bit of what he had to say over the course of the rest of the show and we'll be back with the first of that after this Hey, I'm Julian Gressel and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our first Artist of the Month for 2023 here at AFTN. We mentioned it last month, I wanted to pay more tribute to Terry Hall that sadly passed away just before Christmas. Absolute legend of the music industry. We mentioned Coventry earlier in the show against Wrexham and... Of course, Terry Hall from Coventry, the two-tone record label that he founded and the specials and so many of the bands came from Coventry as well. So for this month, we're going to pay tribute to Terry Hall. He's our Artist of the Month. It's not just going to be songs by the specials, though. We're going to kind of encompass his whole career. And the three songs that I've got for you tonight are all from different bands and different parts of Terry Hall's career. This one, though, is the one that kicked it all off. From 1979, it's the special's debut single, the first ever single released on Two-Tone Records, and that was Gangsters. Speaking of unsavoury organisations, Bell Media. Bell are no longer the sponsors of Vancouver Whitecaps. We all turned up at training today and we saw tape over all the Whitecaps shirts and tracksuits and everything covering up all the Bell stuff. I say we saw that. I was watching it for 20 minutes before I realised that all the Bell stuff was covered up. But then it came out that Bell 
the deal has run out. They are no longer the the Whitecaps shirt sponsors. Active discussions, is the phrase the Whitecaps said, are currently taking place for the, the new sponsor. I did pitch AFTN as the new shirt sponsors. I offered free commentary for the League One BC games. I, I might get outbid. I just sense that. But that that's it's on the table. Nathan's got that. So we'll, we'll see where he goes with that. I don't think that that's going to be enough to even get on the jockstrap. Like uh, sponsorship. I, I'd, I'd sponsor that if we get if we get them at the end of the season. Player worn jockstraps. I mean, that could be their latest collector's item. Forget the player kits. You want those jockstraps. But um, genuinely, it does make you wonder who the new sponsors might be. I think they already have it in play. Like active discussions is probably what they're saying. They already yeah. ready. they know who they have. This bell thing was probably already done back in the well how how like was it a very clean taping of the bell sponsorship very like clean. Was invisible. yes so yes. there you go they already knew it was coming anyway so they were ready for it yeah um, obviously they're probably ready for it by the end of last year like, yeah p- poor Mari, the kit man's been out with his tape getting all these st- yeah. things together there's been murmurs that part of it is because of the apple deal as well so there's the the kind of oh well you're not showing all our games on on our our platforms. You're oh, going to be an Apple, yeah, so sense. they might yeah. not have wanted to renew. That's mm. just a that's just a, a rumor that was going around Twitter today. But just from the just the general chats that we had at training today, it does seem that they want a Canadian company to to be the shirt sponsor. Now, obviously, a lot of the big ones like Tim Hortons, WestJet, etc., are tied up with the Canadian Premier League. Whether they would want to to flip over to the Whitecaps now, as well, I don't know, but. Now we uh, just to throw it out there. I don't know. I can't remember who the sponsors were, but Diane Matheson has two sponsors. Yes, for the Air w, Canada the and CIBC, which is the what the Whitecaps are part of that team too. So if and if they're like already ready to go, why that would tell us who the Whitecaps women's sponsor will be down the road too. Mm. If one of them ends up being there, so it could be Air Canada. Maybe it is uh, CIBC. I thought me. CIBC made a lot of sense because they they're getting more involvement in it now. And C- yeah, you, you want CIBC on both Vancouver's kits this year? Oh, I you know I was racking my brains. I couldn't remember who was sponsoring Vancouver FC. So it's CIBC that they yeah. got. Ah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I, I don't think that. then maybe it's yeah, it won't be them. I'm, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there only because that you know they're already like sponsors of it. Yeah, that that, that was exactly what be. I thought as well, Steve. Well, I think that a... means probably Telus might be really high up in the frame then. Which wasn't is good because a... I've just renewed my two year deal with them. They give me wasn't a really a... sweet deal, saving one hundred and fifty time... bucks a month. Anyway, wasn't there a time when uh, both Celtic, Celtic and Rangers both had the same kit sponsor? Yes, they had that a couple of times. McEwen's Lager. That was yeah. one of them. There's yeah. another older one, but yeah. Yeah, because it's like if you're a company that sponsors one and not the other, it's like, oh, you're a Catholic. Oh, you're a Protestant. So, yeah, that's the the wonderful Scottish football. But, I mean, I think TELUS have got to be favourites. They'd tried to sponsor BC Place before, and then it was rumoured that well, they, Bell weren't happy with that. They sponsored the pitch, right? They sponsored the yeah. pitch at one point? Yeah. Remember, maybe, maybe we when, could just sponsor the pitch instead. When Paul Barber did the deal, it was like the best in the whole league, right? Originally yeah, it was, like it was. Four million it was very, a year very, the very, very highly it, thought. Of. I mean, despite the you know what happened during the pandemic and people's uh, you know outrage towards Bell, uh, you know how they tra- treated their employees during the pandemic or whatever, which is obviously a valid concern. Um, I think they've been a, quite a good partner for the for the Whitecaps, and in one sense, I think it'll be 
unfortunate that they've lost that that long-term partnership but like you say it is uh a new door opening and a new opportunity for them to maybe get revenue that is actually higher than what they you know the, the last few years of their contract with bell have been and to help them to push on to you know achieve all that they want on the pitch i i was disappointed that daily hive wrote about it and their headline wasn't white caps bell ends <laughs> the thing is the funny thing is, is neither organization did uh, like favors for the other one like the bell for bell the white caps had those all those you know scandals or whatever going on and so it, it's not doing any favors for them mm. being a sponsor yeah and then team. bell had all their scandals is, and yeah and, well not scandals but they were laying off people they shut down a yeah. sports uh and that, that was what i'd meant by unsavory as well yeah. at, at the start of this as well we're not saying that they're Anything else? I, interestingly, the White Cats back in Vancouver on Bell Let's Talk Day as well, which they've always yeah. been very key advocates for. So it'll be interesting oh, to yeah. see if that maybe continues. I would hope it will yeah. because it should yeah, transcend you know that. Exactly. It, 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 they should like be able to mention that and everything, it, even it, if they don't have proper videos and stuff on their website. But, the, but they but they, they won't, should. though, because it's a corporate thing and they're not going to promote a company that's but, not a sponsor. But other folk promote it as well, like other things that's but not if the white caps, by bail. If the Whitecaps are smart, which, you know, can be questioned, um, the, they would like be like rise above that and and show that they are like even though they don't have a, a deal with these guys anymore they are still willing to sponsor and, and put the word out for this kind of stuff it just makes sense yeah mental health awareness for me transcends any corporate stuff so i i would hope that they will still encourage that like, maybe not as like actively it, but it would be yeah, yeah you don't have good, to put like be a surprise if they don't yeah you know yeah, yeah, it's ten, yeah, they don't have to put a ten-minute video. Just make a simple tweet. That's all mm. you have to do. And how hard is that to do? It's not going to cost you anything over there. Yeah. So a couple of things that that Vani talked about uh, at training today. We'll we'll get into the kind of systems and the defensive side of things in a sec. But I asked him about the start to the season and the fact that in recent years the MLS teams. That, that are taking part in the Champions League have really got off to a slow start and they've ta they're targeting not getting a slow start this year because of how that cost them so much last year. But he's still talking about just wanting this 22-man roster and that was one of the questions I said to him. Does he feel that's going to be enough to be fighting on four fronts? And he, he still does and he's talking about bringing guys up from WFC2 for maybe some of the other competitions so reading between the lines, Canadian Championship, League's Cup, we could see these guys coming up. I, I just worry a little bit that I, I know he wants a, a, a smaller roster, 22-man roster, 22 starters. I worry a little bit about burnout. That is a concern. Yeah, especially with the added games. Yeah. Which obviously they hope is going to be, what is it, eight games is what they're, I think, hoping for if I'm not. If I'm not miscalculated, yeah, right? I mean, so. you would hope to get like if they can get through the League's Cup group, there's a chance oh, yeah. that they could. Host Sorry, I forgot, a... about, I forgot about those. I was just talking about. Oh, you weren't even including those. <laughs> I was talking with the Champions League, so. <laughs> right? If they go to the final, it'll be eight games in the Champions League alone, right? Oh, we've got the quadruple coming up, or the sextuple, <laughs> as we talked about in the the last show as well. But I mean, there is a danger of burnout with a small squad, Steve. I mean, you can obviously add to it in the summer if that is the case, but. This is a perfect world, of course. And that was what Vanny said. He's like, well, in a perfect world, we're going to be really focused and we'll, our players, things will be good. We'll start strong in MLS. We'll start strong in Champions League. 
it just takes one or two injuries to come along and that perfect world yeah. suddenly unsettled. And then you're scrambling to get people in. But mm. typically, like, if you think of it, like, how many, like, t- 23 players is usually what you have um, roster-wise for, like, you know, what you consider solid MLSers mm. or I people guess. that can play. And then the rest of the roster kind of fits in where they're kind of on, you know, on the verge of MLS, but more WFC2 kind of, like, straddling that. So if that's the case, if they're WFC2 side, the players there are strong. Um, uh, and they have designated people they call up for different positions. I think it can work, uh, but you're right. You like, I, like it, it all depends on the because I know there's a, a, a max number of times you can call somebody up, so you have to really. Yeah, you can call them up that... four times, but they can only play twice. Yeah, so you that, have and that's to... not changing for this year, right? Not that we know, but then all the rules haven't come out yet, so who knows? So you have to be very balanced and very, you know, get an idea of what you're looking for. And you have to schedule things properly and get very lucky. Because if you have a rash of injuries, say, at you know, I don't know, center back for something. And then, but all of a sudden, WFC2 has a rash of injuries at center back. You don't have those players there either. You can, you can you get very stuck behind the eight ball there. Yeah. Well, talking of center backs, that brings us on nicely to the rest of, of this part, what we're going to talk about, which defensively... Now, Har got a chance to speak to Vani on Friday, so you can read her article, go to her journalist on Twitter for the link, and then we kind of followed up some of the stuff today. Right now, in his mind, the system that he wants to go with, this primary system, it's not set. It could be three at the back, it could be four at the back. He wants to to see how it goes, which in a number of ways I, I quite like, because you want to make sure that you don't have a system and you're just trying to put people in it that's not going to work. But the flip side of that is it's also a little concerning that it's so up in the air. I think we'll see a lot of both three at the back and four at the back, though, to be honest. If the people, if they're comfortable doing that, like you have to make sure that Mm -hmm. everybody's comfortable switching back and forth between systems because we've seen that where they do switch back and forth in the past. I think by having the rotating roster of 22 players, you're going to maybe have some guys that will do this, some guys that will do that. Exactly. Yeah. But it, will it actually be four at the back, or will it just be this, you know, this fake thing that they did last year? Because like, I well, don't it think sounds, Vanny... sounds like proper four, but at the same time, I think Vanny kind of said to her, it's not kind of proper four. But because yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Van, I don't Fox think Vanny wants to. I think Vanny wants to. We know he doesn't like. Four. Oh, he loves three. Like he's, yeah. he's told me that he, yeah. three he would be what he wants. Three or five would be his ideal. Yeah. yeah. But I, I like the idea of having like like a you know a fake floor at the back or false floor at the back because then it kind of gets the other team thinking what's going on here and it could it could you if you can work it where it get you get an advantage out of it then I don't have a problem with it it's just you got to make sure the players are on top of it and it's not um, stopping their way of playing like that's the biggest concern yeah. when you're you got to make sure the players are in tune with what you're trying to do. But if you look at some of the early games when Vanny took over, we were kind of wondering what was going on in some of the games. So I'm sure the opposition are confused as well. But of course, the new centre-back, we talked about him last week, the Uruguayan Matias Laborda, has now arrived in Vancouver. Everything is good. He's had two days here. He spoke at training today. I won't play that audio in the show this week. Might might play it in next week's show, mainly because it's, it's translated and that's not always great for for being on the podcast. He does speak English, 
Um, he can listen to the questions in English and then some he can answer in English, but he's just more comfortable just now, understandably, speaking in Spanish. But he he's totally got communication on the pitch in English. So, I mean, that's good. And there are Spanish speakers as well. Seems a, a great addition. Seems a really nice lad as well. Does seem shorter than the six foot, though, because he didn't seem to be towering over me and I'm 5'8". And unless it was my new shoes that were making me taller, then it doesn't feel like he's six foot, but I don't know. Uh, that is what he's listed at. But he talked about he's he's wanting to come here to build on the success that he's had at Nacional. He's won three championships there. He wants to come here and win things. He's familiar with MLS. He's got friends that are playing in various clubs here in MLS. So he's spoken to them about the league, about Vancouver... He's delighted to be here and he's hoping he can put himself in the window. He's been capped up to under 23 level at Uruguay. So he's hoping that this can help him take that next step to the national team. And I know we've been here before with certain players as we're like the stepping stone for them. And I don't know, maybe I'm just an eternal optimist, but this one feels a little different that he really could be the guy that takes that step. That silence. No, no. <laughs> it, 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 sorry, I, I thought he was going to talk first. It is an exciting signing. I think his pedigree is better than you know the, the kind of player that they've gotten before from that position, even from Uruguay itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he seems, you know, like one of those players who could still make the breakthrough, even uh, even for Uruguay, um, potentially. And yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's an exciting signing that uh, I, I think uh you hope you hope it doesn't i guess the biggest thing for me is you hope it doesn't take him long to settle right you you yeah. want him to settle as, yeah, that's the biggest as, quick, thing. as quickly as possible the bigger the bigger thing the bigger thing i think the, the questions that we'll, we'll have you know going forward is how does this impact those who are already there yeah. uh, and and who play, you know who gets to play with him and yeah that kind of stuff i mean he's only 23 as well so he's got a very bright future uh, ahead of him and i mean we and, and center backs do develop later yeah so he's right now if you think of it the way center backs develop i think center backs are more in the 21 to 24 range when they actually start like like forwards midfielders they might be a little bit earlier but center backs are that age i think they're, he's right now in the prime of seeing where he can move up towards and he, he was very happy to be here, really smiley, obviously, the first time we spoke to him. So I didn't want to ask the question, how dirty are you? Have you grabbed other players' testicles? But we'll, we'll come <laughs> yeah. to that during his, his time here. I'm or pretty hopefully sure. not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully we don't... Well, I was going to say, hopefully you can get away with it. With VAR, you can't get away with anything, really, these days. No. The other centre-back, I mean, if you look at the squad, there's actually only two new signed additions, and they're both centre-backs as of right now. Which is Laborda and Karifa Yao, the the signing that the the White Caps picked up in the re-entry draft from Montreal, been with the Montreal Academy since 2017, signed a homegrown deal, made two appearances with CF Montreal and MLS, spent the last two seasons in the CPL with Cavalry FC, and he's another young guy, 22 year old, a, a really good prospect. We'll chat a little bit about him in a sec, but I want to play a, an interview that I did with him today, just asking about his his move to Vancouver, his time with Cavalry and his career so far. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, and sit back and listen to our chat with Karifa Yao. 
first thing really to ask you, how how do you feel about being in Vancouver now? Because obviously, new season starting, it's a change for you. How is everything feeling? Uh, it's really exciting because uh, I'm, I'm finally back in MLS and that's something I was working a lot to, to be in a, in a league like that in Switzerland yeah. and a Canadian team. That's really important for me and yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy to, to start with the, the new pair. They are really, really kind. They, they accept me well the, the first day, so, so it's good. Uh, last couple of seasons, you've been in Canadian Premier League with, with Cavalry. Was that your choice to go and do that? Like, Did you ask to go and get playing time, or did you sit down with Montreal and kind of just work out what the best path was going to be for you? Yeah, like you said, I think we, we sat down and we, we saw that uh, the best for me was just to play. To, to gain experience because I, at the moment I, I was young, I'm still young, but that was to get experience, you know, do mistakes, learn from, from experienced players. And I think that finally when I think back at it, it was, it was a good thing to, 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 to choose that, that way. I, I've known Tommy Wilden Jr. for a, a number of years now. He's quite the character. He's also a good mentor uh, as well. What, what do you feel you've learned in your two years there? And how have you seen your game grown or grow in those last two years? Yeah, like you said, Tommy is a, is a great mentor, a great, a great boss. He's a, he's a guy that you know, we want to, to learn from him, that, uh, that we want to follow. And yeah, I learned a lot of that things uh, on the field, but especially off the field, to be more, like, uh, more mature, like I said, to, to play like a man, to, to on the field, the communication, you know, you learn, you learn a lot of a lot of things. It's hard to say especially what, but just I grew up like like uh, as a man, and yeah, it was an important two years uh, of my life. I, I know you've not been in Montreal for the last couple of years, but I mean you've you've been with them since 2017. Mm-hmm. You played your youth soccer obviously in, in Quebec and everything as well. Has it been tough to leave Quebec and to leave Montreal for you on a, on a personal level? Mm-hmm. I mean, not gonna lie. The, the first two months it was hard a bit because it was the first time I was away from my family. I didn't speak English really well, so I had to learn it. But uh, now, now it's like it's okay. It's, it's a new change, but that's the life I, I want to live, and I have to to adapt to whatever situation uh, that uh, comes in front of me. Were you surprised that Montreal let you go? Because I, I know a lot of us that have watched you play in, in the CPL thought, well, you're maybe going to push on now and, and have a chance to go back there. Mm-hmm. You just extended your contract mm-hmm. last year with them. Were you surprised that they let you go? I mean, it, like, it is not my, my, deci- it's not my decision. Um, you know, that is football. Uh, you know, those things happen and you just have to, to move forward. But if, Afterwards, uh, the guy that's like the CEO of Montreal, mm. he'd said that they didn't want to stand in, in your way of your development and they didn't, you, they didn't see you in their plans, so they wanted the best for you, mm. which is actually quite good because a lot of clubs in the past have maybe kept players mm. and kind of thwarted their development. Mm. But you're here now in Vancouver. Mm. What were the chats that you had with Vanny like? I mean, he, he spoke a little bit about you today being here, he very much sees you as part of the plans here. Yeah, um, we, we spoke on, on the phone. He, first, it was a good thing that it's good that the coach, you know, say welcome to you and say that he's happy that, that I was there. So that was a, a good first contact. And uh, yeah. And 
the team this year is playing in four competitions. You've got Champions League coming up, you've got Leagues Cup coming up, so you're going to be playing Mexican opposition in the summer, you've got at least Honduras opposition just now. Does those kind of competitions really excite you? Yeah, definitely. The the, the Vancouver Whitecaps, they did really well uh, last year to win the, the Canadian Championship, so they qualified for the Champions League. So that was really good. Like you said, four competitions, a lot of games. Uh, you know, we like we, we want to win uh, as many games as possible. Every game is going to be important, so yeah, it's really exciting. For competition, when you think about it, that, that's really big for for a team. That's good. Last couple of things. Um, you've played in MLS before. You've had a couple of uh, appearances with Montreal coming through as that homegrown player. When you think back to your debut back in 2020 against Philadelphia, mm-hmm. what's your memories of that day? How special a moment was that for you? It was a big moment, I remember, uh, with Thierry Henry against Philly. It was, it was a huge moment. I was warming up, and then he said, Carrie Facom. Then I was like, oh my God, like, after all the years in the academy and my local team in Quebec, and finally I have my debut, that, that was huge, that was amazing. And yeah, I remember, remember every second of it. Quebec soccer just now, it's going through quite a bit, bit of a boom. We've seen all the players come through from Montreal, a guy like Ishmael Coney that came through from a, a lower team as well. Mm. I, I do commentary here and I was doing the under-17 nationals and the men, or the boys and the girls, it was two Quebec sides that won that. Mm-hmm. What is it about Quebec soccer just now, do you feel, that there's so much talent coming through? Yeah, there is a lot, a lot of talent there in Quebec. They have a lot of great coaches too, uh, great installation, you know, great team that want to develop players. So it's really good. Quebec, Quebec soccer is really developing a lot of players, and I think in the future year you're gonna see more guys like Ismail and like other players like Schwanger. I'm gonna say that that's gonna you know explode and have a great career. Uh, what's your hopes for this season, just to get as much playing time as possible and to just integrate into the team just as quickly as possible? Yeah, I mean, to, to impose myself, I'm a, I'm a new player here, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I'm not here to, to sit around and, you know, adaptation. I'm here to play and impose myself and make new friends and new teammates. That's the goal. Looking forward to going to Spain? Ah, definitely. <laughs> good, good vacation. Not good vacation, but, yeah. you know, a lot of work there, but nice to, to travel there and, you know, Experienced, you know, new football, Spain football. I, yeah. I've been to Marbella, it's beautiful. If you get a chance to go to Gibraltar, go yeah. down to Gibraltar, it's highly recommended. Okay. Uh- so, Karifa Yao there, just chatting about his career, his journey to Vancouver. Interestingly, when we signed him, and we spoke at the time that Montreal said, oh, we don't want to stand in... in the player's way for his development and we, we were giving good plaudits to, to Montreal for that but Karifa there says it wasn't his decision he would have liked to have stayed in Montreal if he could so the decision was made for him mm. and he went to the CPL to grow his game he feels he's done that and f- from watching him the last two seasons Zach he certainly has looked a top prospect I think mm-hmm. it's a great signing for, for the, the Whitecaps to get him yeah, he's a, yeah. Also, another exciting uh, option at center back for them, which again will make it interesting to see what what happens for players like Ranko and and uh, mm-hmm. Blackman and the like. Um, yeah, uh, it, that that what you just said is really interesting. That Montreal tried to depict it as 
you know, it's the player's choice. And then he said, no, I had nothing to do with it. It was all Montreal's decision. Yeah. It's like, that is really, 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 really interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, it is good, though, that they didn't sign him, I will still say, and then hold on to him with no intention of playing him and just loaning him out again. So at least he's got a better chance of developing oh, a, no, a, yeah. the MLS thing here. So, I mean, that is the good side. But, yeah, it kind of was spun that they both had a chat and they both decided that that was the way forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe maybe not so much. Interesting as well that he'd said when he went to Cavalry, it was his first time really out of Quebec, away from home, and he didn't speak much English. And it's like totally fluent now in the two years there. But very high praise, Steve, of Tommy Fielding Jr. and what Tommy's done for him in developing as a player. And I I think we could have a a good player there. I think he'll see a lot of time in WFC2 as well. But he's got this deal, which makes it easier then to float between the, the two sides. Yeah, and he could be somebody like that. Like maybe doesn't make an impact on the main Whitecaps roster this year, uh, but in future years, like where he can develop and become a solid center back, and you know, um, and and be a starter. Maybe again, not this year. Maybe next year might be his year to be that. And it's a good investment on the Whitecaps part, seeing how much he's developed over the last couple of years in Calvary and bringing him into this role right now, a year earlier before he they actually need him. Yeah. So we found out a lot of stuff there about Karifa, but one question we haven't found out yet. Does Karifa Yao fancy a chocolate digestive? Last thing, we do this with all the new players. You're not a white cap until you answer these questions for our podcast. So if you're sitting at home and you want to have a hot drink, are you a tea guy, a coffee guy, hot chocolate? Uh, I mean, uh, I'm going to say hot chocolate. Oh, and do you have a sweet tooth and do you like biscuits, cookies? No, I'm not fancy like that. Hot chocolate and that's it. I envy it. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? So Karifa Yao there has a little bit of a sweet tooth, but just for the hot chocolate, no no sweet treats to go with it. That's fair enough. I mean, hot chocolate can be sweet enough. And of course, the Hot Chocolate Festival, all set to start here in Vancouver, I think this week, maybe next week. I don't know if you guys have partaken in that before, It's or if you even know too much about it with you guys being way out in the interior. We, we have the Hot Chocolate Festival, where it's very bespoke, hot chocolate and it's paired with a kind of sweet treat so it could be like thick drinking chocolate or it could be like mexican chocolate paired with certain shortbreads or baked goods it's fantastic check out the website they don't sponsor the show if they would like to we would take all the hot chocolate we can get although in saying that i've got to say you can only have so much hot chocolate so I, I know of the hot chocolate festival because I used to live in Vancouver and stuff like that. So I'm not, I, I'm actually like a, a, you know, kind of like a refugee out here in Surrey, yeah. uh, of Vancouver. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the reason why I don't partake in the chocolate festival is because I'm allergic to chocolate, as you know. Um, so I, oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> totally forgot that. Oh, no I might have to change your Christmas present. That's, that's a joke. It's not chocolate related. <laughs> Anyway, that will bring this part to an end. Um, yeah, we'll be back with more football chat after this. Hi, I'm Brian White, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artist of the Month's repertoire, discography, Terry Hall. When he finished with his specials initially, he formed the band Funboy 3 with London and Neville from the, the specials as well. They went on to have a number of hits. They kind of worked with Banana Rama as well, kind of gave them their break. That was a song from 1981. You can find it on their self-titled debut album that came out the following year. It reached number 20 in the UK charts. And that was The Lunatics Have Taken Over the Asylum. Back to the the football chat now and back chatting Whitecaps because they were back at it today. Now, Vanny was a bit non-committal as to how many players are still to come in. I think it's pretty safe to say that a goalkeeper and a striker are going to be the the two key positions that they're still going to be be looking at. Talking of the goalkeeper, right now, Vanny said that Thomas Asal is still the number one, but he is open to someone coming in to challenge him. And then he was asked, does it have to, or are you looking to add a veteran? He said, it doesn't have to be a veteran. I just want a good, qualified keeper. Doesn't matter what age that can really challenge Thomas for that number one spot. And I think that is the way of looking at it. There's always so much focus on bringing a veteran keeper in. But what classes as a veteran now? That's something that Daniel Henry said to me years ago that's always stuck with me. If you've been playing since you're 18 and you're 24, 25 now, you're a veteran. So we have to get, and with all respect to Isaac Bomer and Max Anker, who I think both could develop into really good keepers, but we do need to get that top keeper in to, to be challenging Thomas Hassel. Yeah. Who also looks a lot bigger <laughs> than he did last year, but maybe that's because I wasn't at training much and didn't see what, him in person. What, do you mean taller? Taller. Or? He just seems to have yeah. stretched. It's a Theo Bear effect. No, I think, you're, I think you're spot on with that, Michael. Moving to the other end of the pitch and up front, some Twitter rumours today. The Whitecaps have been linked with the 24-year-old, soon to be 25-year-old as in next week, Israeli forward, Ty Baribo. He's a five foot nine striker. Don't know anything about him. I've never heard of him until I did this Google search just now. He's had five caps with the Israeli national team at senior level. Uh, capped at under 21 and under 19 level two. Played four seasons in Israel with Maccabi Peta Tikva. Scored 22 goals in 96 appearances with them. Then signed a two-year deal on a free with Austrian Bundesliga side Wolfsberger. 13 goals and 2 assists in 32 appearances last season with Wolfsberger. But this season, he's really caught fire. 25 games played across all competitions. 14 goals, 4 assists. Two of those goals came in Champion League qualifiers as well. So he's done it at a high level. It's an interesting one. I don't know anything about him. It doesn't need to be a big name for me. 
as long as it's a guy that can find the back of the net. I watched some highlights video for him and he certainly has good movement, can lose defenders, can turn well in the box and can finish. His coach at Wilsberg has kind of downplayed the rumours, but the rumours initially came out on a Israeli, like a proper Israeli sports station. So I think it does add a little bit of credence to them. But I, I don't know anything about him, but he looks like he could be a bit of a tasty prospect. Yeah, I know you mentioned 5'9". Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of places have him at 5'11", which, you know, two inches, whatever. Uh, I think it's more about his shiftiness in the uh, box. T- two inches don't uh, matter. I tell Caitlin that all yeah. the time. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot, a lot uh, like I said, a lot of work in the box. Um, he seems to be able to score in, from different positions, like from the head um, and strike it from distance and stuff like that. So um, I, I, I don't know, like, uh, you're right, like, Austrian league is, is a pretty decent league. It's not like obviously one of the top five leagues, but it's a pretty decent league. So if he's scoring in there, then um, uh, it's bound to be a good addition if they are able to make him an addition. The thing is, he signed his contract um, uh, in July of 2021. It yeah, was a two-year deal. It was a two-year so deal. Got, so he's got a six-month deal. Is this like going to be like a, one of those pre-contract things where we won't see him until July, though? Yeah. Um, that's the question. Well, what point. I'm hoping for is that the Whitecaps could see, because apparently they've put an offer in for him. Okay, if they so, did an offer, that's different. Yeah, they. I'm hoping they've said, look, He's going to be free in the summer. You could lose him in the summer. We'll give you this now and take him now. So, so I, I'm I mean, assuming if it, I'm assuming if the offer is in, that means they've probably come into deal with the player, right? Because uh, isn't that how it works? Yeah, in Europe, it should be able to have had a chat with him. I would have thought. Yeah, especially considering he's got less than six months left in his deal. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. Now, this is this is me in speculation city here, yeah. but. I, I had asked today for training. Oh, is Vanny and Axel going to speak before training? Are they going to speak after training? And it was like, oh, Vanny will speak after. Axel's in Europe. Mm. Not Axel's still in Germany. Yeah. So obviously I then went on the speculation train and thought, maybe he's just hopped over to Austria to do a little bit of business here. Yeah. Wolfsburger is not one of the bigger sides in the in the Austrian Bundesliga. Um but they Yeah, I'm just looking at where they where they were standing last, on the table just last now. year. And yeah, they got knocked out third at the moment. Yeah, they were fourth last year. They got knocked out of Europe, I think I think in qualifying or early on. That, the, the the last time I saw them play actually was Kirk and I watched the, the Feinor documentary on uh on Disney Plus over the over the uh over the holidays it's, oh can uh, i sorry just to interrupt you they're not third they were third last year they're ninth this year oh i thought wikipedia said they were fourth last year oh i was just in wiki just now and it said third but anyway they're, they're currently ninth 20 21 22 fourth of 12th in austria bundesliga it says on wikipedia and yeah, so in that in that uh, in that series that that one that one word fine word, um, they were in the same um, what's it called um, conference Europa conference group with Feyenoord, and uh, I think ups- I upset them and also helped uh, create the situation where Feyenoord did not advance out of the group stage, which was oh. a big which was a big which was a big problem. So they uh, they're not again they're not a big club, but they have you know caused some waves. In yeah, it's got pedigree. Um, no, but, but I, player, I, just looked, I, I, didn't, I didn't know the Bundesliga. They've got a regular 
stage and a championship round. So they were third in the regular season and then fourth, fourth in the championship right. round. Okay. Yeah, see, I forgot. But yeah, they're like, uh, well, it's like Scotland, right, where they divide or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I forgot that. Good old Rapid Vienna. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, but the, play, the player, the player, I don't know. I don't know much about, but it it, it sounds like there's potential there. There sounds like there's you know lots of lots of upside, possibly. And so it it sounds like uh, a player to. Uh, I think I saw on Twitter and all this talk on Twitter that you know he's only on like under three hundred thousand a year. So um, it's maybe maybe a tan player. You know, well, yeah, they'll probably call, they'll, maybe they'll call him a DP, but he'll be like a Tamish kind of player, and and uh, and like a it's a good shout, like you know what I mean, in terms of looking to find someone who's not doesn't cost a crazy amount, but the return might be significant. Yeah, and has a, a pedigree for scoring goals. I'd look to yeah. see if he'd played against Scotland because Scotland seemed to play Israel every couple of months for for a spell <laughs> there. But his appearances for Israel, the five that he's made, weren't. He did make his debut against Germany in a 2 0 yeah. loss. So if you watched that one, Zach, you might have seen him. Oh, yeah, I think I did see parts of that game. But it's, I don't know, it's an interesting one. Talking about Tam, I mean, the, it looks that Laborda is going to be Tam, so his salary could be round about the 700,000. You've got to kind of wonder how much. Tam and Gam and thank you, ma'am, that they've got left well, to, to splash they about. Spent, they spent some in the draft, and obviously they, but they brought some in through Cornelius signing or mm. a transfer. Oh, of course, so, yeah. Yeah, so there is somebody coming in, somebody going out. It's just a matter of hopefully nothing got expired. Mm. Like we, the last thing you want expired Tam. Oh, there's no way they would yeah. let it expire, right? Like, yeah, because it'll curdle then, and then you know. Well, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've had expired it. spam, and it no, was like okay. Axel has talked about how important it is to use their thing and why they've used it on different things at different times, and they're not going to let it expire. There's no way. Yeah, for sure. No, they they are like we jest, but they they are very very clued in on that. And I think I think they get like a, a bump up because they're in the Champions League. Like even if it's yes. through Voyager's Cup, they will get some from yes. MLS. Because yeah. the, the MLS wants even no matter how you qualify, they want all their MLS teams to be, you know, have bigger players to, you know, bump up their teams. Yeah. Cause like right now, if you, you look at the White Caps roster, there's four forwards officially listed on it. So there's Diber Caicedo, Christian Dahomey, Brian White and Simon Betcher. So right now you're looking that Brian White's going to be leading the line. But then yeah. the, there's a bit of a drop-off. We, we won't go into the whole Dahomey thing again and Caicedo and stuff, but it's, they need to get somebody in. And I don't think it's something that can wait either until this summer. They really need to hit the ground running with the guy that they, they want as, as their striker. So I don't think this guy's going to come in as a DP, I wouldn't have thought. No, but, I, don't, I, mean, I don't think I so think either. There's still that DP spot open, so maybe yeah. maybe they look to bring in two strikers. Well, is so. For first off, one, it, it would be unfortunate if they if this was a DP signing. M Michael, I know we had this conversation. I can't remember if it was part of the show or just for, for fun afterwards. But um, was okay. So was there not? Obviously, it seems like they've dealt with the center back. Kind of doesn't like they're gonna. Like, you know, that seems like it's yeah. done. Um, was there talk about a midfielder, a striker, and a quote-unquote winger, which you clarified to be uh, an attacking 
player yeah, that was the, center forward? Was the, there was the four, no, it wasn't a midfielder. The, the four positions yeah, to look at were centre-back, goalkeeper, winger, and striker. And winger but, as in wide. Winger player. stroke midfielder, I guess, because yeah. Vanny doesn't necessarily like wingers. I think, it, I, I think it would be more like a like a, a, a wingful wingback or something like that, more than a winger. I, I think yeah, I, I would hope it was backs. more an offensive thing. I mean, Vanny did say once, one of the things is he wants to be more offensive this year. And I said, oh, if you want to be more offensive, I'll have some words for you. I can teach you how to be yeah. that. Yeah, you can take your shirt off. That would <laughs> yeah. enough. The, the other guy that's kind of around at the moment is Levante Johnson, who was the Whitecaps second pick in the, the Super Draft year. He was taken 29th overall, but he was rated in the top seven by top yeah. drawer soccer as, as the best players overall. And he, he looks a... I exciting prospect as well. I, th- I think you might take the Simon Betcher route and do have a lot of time in WFC too. But I, I got... think that's the ideal way. I, that's yeah. the ideal way because you you because there is a bit of a jump from college to a pro, and in almost every sport there is a little bit of a jump. Um, so a, a little bit of seasoning in WFC too with a couple of call ups like Betcher had. I think that's the ideal way to do it for Levante Jones. Yeah, I think it is as well. But he he looks such a good talent and we'll chat a little bit more about him in a sec i'll play you a chat that i had with him at train today again just chatting about his journey to vancouver his college career and what's been a very exciting couple of days for him so i stick the kettle on again go grab another biscuit of choice and listen to our chat with levante johnson So, first of all, Levante, welcome to Vancouver. I know it's been a whirlwind couple of days for you. You've maybe not had a a huge chance to to see the city. Have you been to Vancouver before? No, I've been to Seattle, though, because I've... Yeah. So, it's not too far, about a two-hour drive from, you know, the university, but haven't been here, but it's beautiful. I was going to say, you seem to like the Pacific Northwest, because obviously you're at Seattle University, Portland Timbers under 23, so now now you're here in Vancouver, so that's a good thing. Let's go back to drafty. It it was weirder than previous years because it's it was remote and it was earlier, so you didn't really get the chance to be there, but you did get to be with your family. Yeah. So did that make it more special having family and friends just there with you? Of course, because they've been my support like throughout my entire career. So just to be able to spend that time with them and cherish the moment with them was amazing. You were highly ranked going into the draft. Top Draw Soccer had you somewhere in the top seven. I can't remember because five, six and seven were the three guys that we got. And I know that you were in amongst there. And I think a lot of folks thought you were going to go a lot higher. But we've seen this before with Canadian players and the rules in MLS. It makes it a bit tougher. Were you starting to get concerned at all that you hadn't gone? Um, I don't really try to look too much at the mock draft because... Like, from previous years, it's never really too accurate, so I just try to focus on, you know, what teams I've talked to and, you know, try to um, just best prepare for what team would be able to draft me and do my best there. But as the draft did was going on, I was like, oh, maybe maybe I will go a bit later, but then thankfully Vancouver picked me. It's a beautiful situation, so I'm very happy about it. Yeah, so I was going to ask about what contact Vancouver had with you. Had they spoken to you in depth before? No, so no, it was a, a complete surprise. Just come surprise. I was very oh, wow. I was surprised when they picked me. I was like, oh wow. So <laughs> I'm definitely happy about it though. Yeah, you look very happy. And I mean <laughs> we're we're glad to have you here. Looking back at, at your college career, 
it's an unusual path for you because you've had four different universities. You've also been in three different championship games over those four years as well, which is absolutely incredible. I guess that the first question is, what, what was with the moves? Was it just a foot in the door initially and then just doing better and better and moving to bigger and bigger? Um, initially, I was in Florida. I started my junior college career in Florida. And that's exactly when the pandemic hit. So they closed down our men's program, actually. So I had to find a different junior college and I ended up in Utah, Salt Lake Community College. And my two years of JUCO was done after that year when we won the championship. Um, and then I went to Seattle. And, you know, we did go to one our conference. We got a NCAA tournament berth. And I just want to be a bit closer to home because, like, my last year, I'd be, I know I'd, I was able to move and I could be closer to home and, you know, kind of get the home-cooked meals for my mom and my parents could drive down for the game. So it was very nice. And then that was kind of, like, my last stop before coming here. Oh, that's fantastic. And what, what a last stop that was at, at Syracuse. It's, I mean, I, I watched that. The final and the shootout, and even just going back before that, you scored the winning goal in the the final four game that took you to the final. What was that moment like for you? It was it was amazing. As um, our other striker Nathan Apoku um, got the ball, I seen he kind of took a touch, and I, from then I knew I was composed. So I kind of did a double movement to try to lose the defender, and just got an easy tap in front of the goal. So it was definitely a special moment, sending us to our first um, national final. And then to, to win that final, to score in the shootout as well, what what is that day like for you? Um, it was it was funny because on my pen, um, I shot it and it kind of hit the crossbar and like bounced around and their like bench and team jumped up because they thought they won <laughs> and I kind of like jogged back laughing. So it was it was a funny <laughs> moment and special for sure. I mean, it's a select club that you're in. There's not many players obviously win this and then go on to have the career. Is this something that you've always wanted to be a professional footballer? Of course, from I was very young is when I kind of had the dreams to aspire to be a professional footballer and um, hopefully I'm, I'm on the right path to that right now. And from Brampton, Ontario, there's so many players come out of Brampton. I just spoke to Karifa about the players that come out of Quebec, but Brampton as well. For a small city, the amount of players that, that's been produced from there, what, what is it about the, the youth soccer there that, that's so good? I know, I think it's something in the water. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I don't know, I think it's because, I don't know, it's for some reason it's a hot spot for a lot of good players to uh, to just come from and we all, we grow up playing against each other um, throughout our years as youth growing up and that definitely helps with our development, um, just playing against the best of the best um, week in and out. So I think that, I don't know, it's, it's weird for some reason that they all happen to be from Brampton, but that's that's the way it is. The Mac Herman Trophy this weekend, in the top three for that, what was that experience like for you? It was amazing. Um, Alexi Lalas actually came and he was talking there and I got to meet him, shake his hand. Met a bunch of people at the, at the Mac Herman Athletic Club. Um, it was a special experience there. They treated me really well. Unluckily, I didn't win it, but just being there was, I'm very grateful for that. To just be nominated as of one of the finalists is very special for me. Now, you're here in Vancouver now. What's the chat been like then with, with Vanny? I know you might not want to give too much away in a lot of his personal chats with the two of you, but does he see you like MLS ready just now? Do you think you might go down the kind of route that our draft pick last year, Simon, did MLS Next Pro, prove yourself there, get some call-ups to the first team and then just take your opportunity? Or do you think you could be in the mix right away with so many competitions this year? Um, I'm not really sure. We haven't really talked about, about that situation side of things, but I'm just hoping to do my best, impress enough to hopefully make the MLS roster right away. That's the goal. 
And how have you found it's the early days, you've just had a couple of training sessions, is the pace a little bit more higher than you're used to or pretty much the same? Um, higher than college for sure, but I feel like I've I'm gotten used to it um, in the two days that I've been here. and just a bit tired with the fitness tests we've been doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I was hoping we were going to see the peak test today, but they did that yesterday. Yeah, they did it we yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it's been it's been it's been a good two days. Um, hopefully, Spain. You know, we get to enjoy the nice weather. Oh, I can yeah. see the sun again for once. So. <laughs> yeah, it does get nice here. Um, Marbella is a lovely place to go if you get a chance to go to Gibraltar on a trip because it's just short hop over to Gibraltar. Try okay. and do that. Okay. It's an absolutely beautiful place, but. Obviously, new club fitting in, but you know Ryan Raposo here, you've played with him, you've played against him. Talk a little bit about that. Um, growing up, uh, he was on, I think, Burlington growing up, and I was in the Brampton area, and we'd, their team was always very good, so it was always very competitive matches playing against them. He was always good from a young age, and then kind of um, when we were around 13, 12-ish, we uh, made the provincial team together for Team Ontario, and um, we played together for that year. And kind of like went back to our separate clubs, but I know him. I know him very well. What What's your hopes then for this preseason? Just to kind of just show that you belong and just that they've made the right decision, I guess. And yeah, playing. yeah. Um, just to just because um, they did have hope in me and drafting me, they wanted me here to yeah. just show the quality that they think I have and to prove them right and um, hopefully make it on the MLS roster and make an impact with the first team. Good luck. Pleasure to see you here, and I'm looking forward to seeing you play this year. Thank you. So Levante Johnson there, and he's absolutely delighted to be here in Vancouver. Interestingly, a, a number of MLS teams had chatted with him before the draft, but Vancouver weren't one of them. So it came as a complete surprise to him that Vancouver took him, but he's absolutely delighted that they took him. And although he didn't play for the Sounders, he did go to university for a year in Seattle. He played for the Timbers under 23. So he's now got the Cascadia trifecta. He's in Vancouver. So he obviously loves the Pacific Northwest. But he he's had an interesting couple of days because now he's here in his first pro environment. And he was just at the, the Mac Herman Trophy Awards over the, the weekend, Steve, as well. Didn't win it, but he made the top three. And oh, that's, that, that's, that's a big that's thing. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, a lot of a lot of teams uh, out there in other sports, they will never talk to the players that they're interested in directly, uh, but they will talk to people that that person has been associated with in order mm-hmm. to find out about them, and in order to make sure that nobody realizes that they're, they're talking to each other, because you want to have a surprise, because somebody might trade up up past you in order to get that player, so you want to mm-hmm. make sure that you nobody knows who you're interested in. But he, he looks such a good talent. He scored all over, and yeah. he's. It's an interesting one. He had four different universities, and as he explained there, the reason for that is partly because he's he's moved up and and got better and better. He started off in junior NCAA, and then he reached a championship game with Eastern Florida State College, the Trojans, and then won the championship with Salt Lake Community College. And then won a conference championship with Seattle. And then this year with Syracuse won overall the the national championship. So he's been to three championships in his four years at college, which is is tremendous. And we played the audio in the last show, Vanny, talking about him. 
he's brought him in. He he knows he's a winner and he likes that winning mentality. And this is a guy that that knows how, how to win. He knows how to score. He scored in the semi final that took them to the final of the College Cup. Scored that penalty in the College Cup. I, I'm excited to see what he can do. And I know I've said that about draft picks before. And I know last year it was the curse of AFTN that everyone we spoke to in January wasn't here come February. I'm hoping it's going to be different this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 like the, you're talking about him like moving up and everything like that. I think a lot of people probably saw the development of him. Um, I think I mentioned in one of the previous shows that um, like the Charlotte manager before he got fired told him that he was going to draft him number yeah. one. So there was like a, probably a lot of people that saw the development. Some people might not have seen it. And so they weren't paying attention. That's why he slipped so far, even though top door soccer had him at number you know, seven uh, in overall as a, as a prospect. So let's see what he can do. Should be good. Seems a, another really good guy, really good character to have around as well. And from Brampton. I mean, you're from Ontario, Zach. What is it about Brampton? He says it's something in the water there. He just doesn't know. But there's so many players that's come through from Brampton. My aunt and uncle and cousins live there. I used to visit there multiple times a year growing up. Um, so what happened to you? How come you're not a pro? I didn't drink enough of the water, apparently. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, that's always my downfall as well. I keep getting told by the doctor at my annual physicals, drink more water. I'll just get some Brampton stuff. They should bottle it and uh, make an absolute fortune. So <laughs> we l- learned a lot about Levante Johnson there. There is one thing we don't know yet. Maybe he fancies a chocolate digestive. Spoiler, no. <laughs> we ask this to all the new players. <laughs> she knows what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a white cap until you answer this question so you're sitting at home you want a hot drink you're a tea guy, coffee guy hot chocolate guy funny enough I don't drink hot beverages but if I was to drink one it'd be a tea it'd be tea okay do you have a sweet tooth do you like biscuits minty minty with a lot of sugar oh, <laughs> but no, no light sweet treat to go with it I don't know I don't normally drink the hot beverage so oh, I don't okay. really yeah well, what do you drink Water. Okay, that's, that's one of our most boring answers, but that's okay. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? 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 Levante Johnson there, and no, not really for the sweet treats, not even for the hot beverages either. He's just a water man. Obviously, it's that good old Brampton water. That is it for this part. We'll be back with some more football chat after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Raposo, and you're listening to the AFTN Show. I kinda sorta know I ought to be thinking of you But a friendship's built on trust And that's something you never do Well who knows, maybe tomorrow We can share each other's sorrows And compare our graveside man 
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from the back catalogue of Terry Hall, this time from the band The Colourfield, which was the band he formed after Funboy 3. This was their third single, released in 1985 from their debut album Virgins and Philistines, reached number 12 in the UK charts. That was Thinking of You. And we'll have more songs from Terry Hall, a lot of special songs coming up over the rest of this month. This part, I want to move away from the Whitecaps chat. I want to just have a a general talking point. We're going to do this over the course of the year. I'm going to bring up a a subject, something that's maybe caught my eye, tickled my fancy. and Let me me guess, we're going to be talking about soccer parents. No. No? You don't no. want to talk about I, I'm going to save that because oh, I've got an okay. extra podcast that I didn't get a chance to bring out. And we'll talk about oh, that right. next week because, right. yeah, that is something for us to definitely delve into. I want to see what more comes out of that as well. So that could be interesting. No, we're going to talk about something. I, I don't like talking about Alexia Lalas. And this is going to be the second time we mentioned him on the show because Levante Johnson talked about meeting him at the, the Mark oh. Herman trophy and like shaking hands with him and stuff now obviously he is a a legend in the american game i I can't really take to him i've I've got to say but he he had a tweet on december 28th that garnered a lot of attention and i'd been thinking about something about this myself we kind of chatted a little bit about it on my east fife show and stuff he had tweeted out after the world cup how do you improve soccer and of course whenever an american tweets out how do you improve soccer Everyone else, especially from the UK, piles at him like, you're Americans, you're trying to change the sport, what's wrong with it? Just go with it, blah, blah, blah. But he gave some examples about how to make soccer better. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, but one in particular, which is what I'd been thinking about. So his examples were, you make the goals bigger, two points for goals outside of the penalty area, 35-yard shootout instead of penalty kicks, a kick-in option instead of a throw-in, a hockey penalty box for player punishment. Offside only applies for the last 35 yards. And handball, simply any ball contact with hand or arm. So I want to just get into a couple of those. Making the goals bigger. I mean, I no. dismiss that right away unless either of you... Yeah. No, no, no 100% dismiss Yeah, okay. That Two points powerful. for goals outside a penalty area. Not a fan of that either. Yeah, again, dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 35-yard shootout instead of PKs, I'm open to that. Like, not during no. a game, but instead of a penalty shootout, to to have that, you, I feel, is a bit uh, more skillful. 
I understand that, but some these guys can't score. Although we've seen it where they can't score from twelve yards or whatever it is, like, yeah. like where the penalty spot is. I don't know how long are we going to sit around watching people totally sky it and how many risks that. I don't think it's going to be skillful, and I think players would be totally against it because they're just going to be like Harry Kane was made fun of so much because he skied the penalty. How much do you think these guys are going to be made fun of when they can't even hit the net? From 35 yards out. I, so, it would depend no, what the I mean, rules were, like what the keeper could do and stuff for me, but I I, I think I it's, would, it's got potential. So so a month ago, or roughly a month ago, the YouTube channel Tifo Football, who makes really quality videos, I think they're connected. Yeah. To the, to the oh, I like their videos. Yeah. yeah. They put out one called Can Penalty Shootouts Be Improved? And they talked about this as an option, and you know, it having been done, I think in MLS or whatever back in the day. This is probably what Alexei um, Lawless probably uh, stole it. From oh, maybe. Well, I don't, I don't know, but they they basically said they basically looked at all the things and said it it probably can't. Like it, it's probably this is the way we have it is probably the most quote unquote well, like and, fair. And back in NASL, they had a thing where you grab the ball, you have like what ten seconds yeah. to get to the net and score or something like that. Um, yep. even that I don't think is like it, good. I don't I'd, I'd struggle to run 35 yards in 10 seconds, I think. In that, no, in I, a... I don't know where, how I don't know how far out they were, but they were like, they were, I don't even know how many seconds it was exactly, but it was something it, like that. I in that video, they talked about all the options. They talked about, yeah. um, they talked about, yeah, like doing that. They talked about, you know, um, uh, t- taking, um, you know, decreasing the number of players on the pitch, at, uh, uh, so the game keeps going. That I don't mind as an idea pitch. either. Actually, I quite, I quite like but, that. But again, they thought, okay, you're then you're asking tired players to run even more. Like mm. there's yeah. more space and more you're, running you're, to be. You're opening up mm-hmm. the space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to, yeah, to, to be fair, Lucas Cavallini tried that approach during a lot of Whitecaps games, just <laughs> reducing the players on the pitch. Um, and then they talked about. What was the other? Oh, they talked about actually making it more like a one on, like a one on one thing, or like a like a one v one trying to score as opposed to just like a penalty. So almost like, it, but it almost turned into like, okay, it turns into like an all star game. Mm. Um, yeah, kinda... even the one, even the one on one, you're like putting, um, uh, you know, this, you know, forwards that are probably faster, um, yeah. in a one on one position where defenders are more. Um, they, it's more of a, like, a, I don't know how you want to explain it. Not, there's not like t- athleticism, but there's more, um, strategy in the way people play defender. Right. So I, I don't know if that would work too. Like the, the one thing I thought was, might be a good option would be to kick in instead of throwing, but well, it's gotta I, be, I, I saw that during COVID. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be an option though. It should be just, you just change it all. Uh, yeah. Everything that goes out of bounds goes kick in. Like it's kicked in. Well, they're, they're trying to reduce the up. headers in the game as well. So that could yeah. maybe do that. But of course, the ball could still but, be in the air. But when, when, yeah, COVID, when, when the VMSL came back during COVID, which was briefly yeah. just for six games, they had kick-ins instead of throw-ins. And yeah. I thought, oh, I don't know that that would work, but I actually really liked it. I think it, it'll speed up the game. And I think, I think you're... I, I think that uh, the players, it would, I think it moves it faster because when you throw it up in the air, you get people jumping up in the air. But you, whereas you have the option of either kicking it long in the air into the box or you could kick it short uh, along the deck. I think what? that that's where the option goes because you can't really do that with a throw in. It's always going to bounce around. What would have happened to the career of Rory Delap? 
Yeah, see, I do like a long throw though as well. So yeah, how about that? How about that guy that in uh, Central Washington? I can't yeah. remember. That. Oh, was it? Was it? Was the other Ben Fisk? Yeah. Yeah. They're not so good, Ben Fisk. Or the, the American Ben, beloved Fisk. players in you know in USL like West Knight. Yeah, the American Ben Fisk sounds like the Scottish Messi. <laughs> it's like oh, I've just we've just christened this guy the American Ben Fisk. <laughs> just quickly going back to penalty shootouts, I don't think I mentioned this last month. I actually loved the camera work for this World Cup, where the shootout shot was from you're behind Nine? the guy taking yeah. the shot. I yeah. thought that was an excellent innovation. And much it makes better. you see how difficult it actually is for the kicker as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much, much better than the other angle. Yeah, I, I really like that. The The hockey penalty box for player punishment, again, I'm open to that. Rugby's got the sin bin. And... They, they actually, I think a couple of years ago when we were like filming, like recording this at UBC or whatever, I think I mentioned there was an article that came yeah. up where they were going to try some stuff yeah. in the leagues in hockey. Well, hockey something like the was... League's Cup would be a great chance for doing stuff like this. Totally. Because yeah. it. it keeps it keeps the players on the pitch, but it gives an advantage to the, the other team for a certain period. Like you can do five minutes or 10 minutes, mm -hmm. depending on the thing. But if you do, if you have too many of those situations, that's when you start getting the yellow or red cards. Yeah. So something like, I, I quite like that idea as well. So the last two, I, I, I'll go to the handball one first because th this is pissing me off so much. Like the, the handball rule, there's been some big debates in, in Scotland at the moment because of something that happened in the old firm game, which looked like it should have been a clear penalty. The referee didn't see it and you can see him mouthing to the VAR official. It's up to you to take the call and the VAR official didn't make the right call which then cost Celtic the the victory in the end. Um, and I think that was what Alistair Johnson was talking about. I don't know if you saw that during the week. He had said about, oh, it's a handball. Basically, the referees have got it in for us and was already criticised by the Rangers fans for having the Celtic paranoia. But he also but, talked about milk. Oh, I missed that. I think he was talking about bags and milk like they have them in Ontario oh. or something and turn into memes and jokes. And oh, I thought they're like, what is it, what they're doing over in Canada? Yeah. Um, but handball, like Alexi says, handball, any ball contact with the hand or arm is a should be a, a foul, a penalty, or whatever. No. I, I'm I'm kind of going towards that because it's there's so much confusion. It's like if you're defending your face, it's okay, but or accidental no. against you, brushing against you. I don't know. No, for for me, it's like for me, it's it's it, if it's a handball, if you're if it's if you have if you you move made movement, like if your hand is there and it clips off somebody and you didn't move your hand at all and it hits your hand, I, I don't think it should be handball. Like if there's there there's got to be some uh, semblance of human error when doing handball, and I don't I don't like the fact that everything is so strict and you know on point. In, in these calls they've got to be some kind of like judgment in there that's why i'm not a huge fan of the offsides when it's like an armpit kind of thing I, well I, like, this I, was I, the last one i, I was, well, was just about, about the handball yeah. i about the handballs i think we're probably in the best place we've ever been with handballs because of we because we have var and they are able to you know look at it and make decisions and whatever uh, the problem the immediate problem that you have if you say it's you know any part of the hand arm uh, it's automatic penalty. Is then you just have players running in the box and aiming for people's hands and arms. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it's like it's kind of oh, yeah, farcical, no, farcical true. in the box. 
That's that's so, very true as well. Would you? Would you it'll already, be the new. It'll be the new flopping in the box. It'll yeah. be the new flopping in the box, just aiming for somebody's head. Now, the the last thing of Alexis, which is offside, only applies to the last thirty last thirty five yards, which seems to be a phrase I cannot say when I'm reading this for the third time. But what had got me thinking about all this was I've just got so pissed off with like what Steve said. It's like an armpit or a leg, or you're leaning and you're offside because you're just slightly leaning in. There were some horrible ones like that in the FA Cup this, this past weekend, to, to bring it back to that. But I, I just think with VAR being in and having this now, I, I think it's ruining the game. Are we at a stage that we just get rid of offside altogether? I'm, you know what? I'm opposite of what he's mentioning. Like, I know this might not make sense or it might not work, but I think the closer you are to the net, the more offside should not play a part. Like, once you're in the box, I say there should be no offside in the box because you should be able to mark anybody you can. Like, mm. you should be able to, like, it, I'd take like, that. I, I think going towards the net in the, in the rest of the, like, from the, uh, the box and on. That's the part that should be uh, uh, where you can get called offside because you're you're it's a it's a movement towards the net. Whereas when you're in the box, you're really not moving toward. And there's been some stupid ones where people have been just like getting up and they happen to be in front of the goalie and it, and it get called offside. I think a goalie should be able to if you can't like you should be able to interfere with the goalie or screen the goalie on one of these shots. Like it, I think that's there's no problem with that for me. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking the opposite where. Um, in, in, from the box and in, no offside. Uh, basically, everything goes, whatever you can. Because you're a defender, you should be able to mark your man, and maybe you'll get to some of this zone zonal marking out of the game, which I hate. Um, so that yeah. maybe we think. I, I think a, I, I think a penalty penalty box, no offside in the, in the penalty box. That that could that would be transformative. That could that could be potentially mm. interesting, I guess, but. Or even just from eighteen yards, like either I, side of the penalty box as well. But I had something that again I don't think works at all. But I, I, during was it during the World Cup or was it? I forget what it was. Some a friend of mine who I can't remember if he was a football person or not. I think it was a non-football person said, "Why don't they would they consider you know because you want to give the advantage to the attacker? Would you could they say he, um, it's not his furthest part of their body forward? It's their the." Um, the furthest part that's back that needs to yes. be in line. That's that's very mm. similar to hockey and their offside rule. If you keep your foot, like your fo- far, like your foot that's the furthest back on side on the line or whatever before the puck gets in, you're okay. Like yeah. part of your body can be over the line uh, until the puck gets over, and if as long as your skate, your back skate is on the line, you're okay. You're onside. So I, I, I like that idea too. Yeah. That would be an interesting idea. I, I can't even remember what the game was because I watched so many of them this weekend. It, one of the FA Cup games, it was one of the, the underdogs. They had the goal disallowed because so much about that much of his shoulder was just past the other one with a line. It's yeah. just, when you get to that, it's just so, so stupid. I would just be for getting rid of it altogether, which I know takes a, it's not just about think, attackers, it's the defensive part of the game, you're taking that away as well. But it, surely it means you've got to be a better defender then. I would like to see some of these friendlies, these international friendlies. I know they have a little bit to do with the FIFA rankings and stuff like that, but some of these international friendlies, that's where you want to use some of these weird rules. Um, um, like maybe the, 
the club friendlies or whatever. Maybe you can implement some of this, not just at the MLS level, but other levels too, to see like top talent, how they work with these rules. I'd, I'd like to see that in the future. Mm-hmm. So let us know if there's any rules that you would love to see changed in football. And yeah, we'll maybe have another chat about that. If there's anything kind of big talking points that you'd like us to just have a little mull over as well, let us know that as well. That is pretty much it for the show, though. We're going to finish, though, with this episode's wavelength. And as I mentioned at the start, it's a kind of a tribute to Gianluca Vialli. Now, I couldn't find any songs about him. I don't have any songs that he's sung. And I I thought, well, he won the FA Cup with Chelsea back in 2000 when he was the manager. So I've dug out the Chelsea 2000 FA Cup squad song that they brought out before that final. And then the, the big thing of FA Cup songs, some of them are terrible. Some of them are average. This is one of the better ones. It's called Blue Tomorrow. And this is Chelsea's 2000 FA Cup squad.
Tomorrow, Chelsea's 2000 FA Cup score there. Chelsea beat Aston Villa 1-0 in the final. Thanks to Roberto Di Matteo, 73rd minute winner. Gianluca Vialli, the manager. R.I.P. Gianluca. But that is it for this episode of the show. Just before we go, any final thoughts, Steve? Where can folk find you online? Anything that caught your eye this week? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And, uh, I, I, you know, we were talking about, you know, you know, obviously the Whitecaps going to Spain and, and, and playing just the one game against Hamburger. Why not play? And we talked about the, you know, the owner, you know, the Whitecaps owner, part owner that owns a, a Spanish team, Mallorca. Um, I'm thinking, and I mentioned Nash Cup as possibly. I, th- I thought of a better name. I'm thinking, like, let's rename it to the, the Hanging in Tough Cup. I think that's a, a proper name. Um, I know a lot of Whitecaps fans were tweeting at Steve Nash that those those remarks when he got fired from the uh, Brooklyn Nets. So I think this was a pretty ideal name for uh, that cup going forward. I, I, it would be a great name because there's all the new guys, the new kids on the block with the Whitecaps as well. So that would tie yeah. in perfectly. Nice. Zach, any final thoughts? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM. And... Uh... No, just uh, all the best to the Whitecaps as they go to Spain and have an adventure of a, of a preseason there. Hope it goes well for them. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Jerky21. I always pronounce his name wrong. Yerky, is it? Yerky21. Yerky? I don't know. I could be wrong. He's done a mock-up of the Whitecaps hoop shirt with the AFTN logo on it, and I've got to say, it looks <laughs> really smart, so I'm going to retweet that out, and it, that it, should be the way forward. It's Yurke, Yurke, uh, because it was. Uh, he's, I think he's named himself after like a Yurke Lume, who was a Vancouver Canucks defenseman ah, in the nineties. So yeah. Yurke twenty one, love that mock up. Well done. I'm Michael McCall. Give me a follow on Twitter, AFTN Canada. Hopefully, if the weather clears up, I'll be out some VMSL games. So we'll get those highlights up on our YouTube channel, AFTN Canada on YouTube as well. Like, subscribe, all that kind of nonsense that goes on these days. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll be touching on the Whitecaps and we'll also be having our kind of Canadian Premier League season in review, a look ahead to the 2023 season and some Vancouver FC stuff as well. So until then, as always, 
Thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Viva España! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.